So stupid fact I learned today, apropos of nothing. Pangolins have human-style breasts, and it's very weird-looking. What? Yeah. What? Yes. I can't even remember how. I, I think I was just scrolling through Facebook, and somebody posted a picture of a pangolin standing up on its hind legs, and it apparently was a female pangolin, and they have breasts. Yeah, no, I'm just taken aback by that, because I'm like, I don't want... No, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> yeah, but now it's stuck in your head, and you'll never forget it. You're welcome. <sighs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's going to keep the lights on and the show rolling as long as we can. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And from six feet away or more, it's Richard. Like <laughs> a big city away? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that, I think that's a safe distance. Yeah. So what a decade this last two weeks has been. Um, <sighs> when, we, when we last recorded... We were all Make, together. We were all together. Yep. Yeah. We were all physically together. Midwest well, Conquest was each other. Yeah, we yeah, absolutely. Midwest Conquest was still going on and Adepticon was still going on and the entire country or most of it hadn't shut down yet. Uh actually most yeah. of the world is shut has has now shut down. So, yeah, we're living in very interesting times. I'm going to call the score at the half bats 1 humanity 0. But <laughs> But we'll see if we can turn that around in the second half. So, yeah, if you've been living under a rock for a while and yet somehow still listen to our podcast, first of all, thank, thank you, you for yeah, thank you for your patronage. <laughs> thank you for being a, a dedicated fan. But yeah, obviously, the novel coronavirus uh, has taken the world by storm and not in a good way, and so. In response, a lot of the world has basically gone on lockdown to try to uh, limit the spread of this stuff. Um, I know in, in the Kansas City area, there's probably about, oh, I think between Kansas side and Missouri side, there's probably over 100 cases. Um, I know St. Louis side is like 100, 180 or so, and it just keeps going up. Uh, and so we went from... Having like, you know, in the period of time since we recorded our last episode, we've gone from a limit on uh, gatherings of a thousand or more to a limit of gatherings to 250 or more to 50 or more to 10 or more to shelter in place. And I know that a lot of a lot of our listening, a lot of our listeners are in areas that have done basically the same thing. The side effect of that shelter in place means there's no getting out to go to game stores. There's no getting, you know, pick up games. There's no buying anything new from your local game stores. I know a couple of the game stores in our area are doing mail order. They actually got approval to do mail order business or delivery, but far from all of them, uh, all of games workshops stores have closed. Like the Warhammer Citadel's closed. Our local Warhammer store is closed and closed for however long their particular area is on lockdown. But even on top of that, Games Workshop is now closed. 
Uh, they announced earlier this week that because of the lockdown that was applied to the UK, their headquarters are closed. Their, uh, so that also means their warehouses are closed. Their manufacturing is closed. So, uh, they, like, they are not taking orders right now. Uh, anything that you had ordered already is not being, will not be shipped right now. And so they're basically on hold as far as producing product, which is really awkward considering that they just had uh, the new stuff for Saga of the Beast go up for pre-order. So, yeah, I'm guessing people won't be getting that in time, but we'll be able to talk about it. So we can tell you what's in Saga of the Beast because that's going to be our topic for today. But uh, we have an exclusive Yes. Well, not exclusive. I mean, like other other outlets have already talked about it, but or we'll... the or at least we can lie about it now, and nobody can call us out for several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Unfortunately, I think Games Workshop has released enough bits and pieces, yeah. like releasing Gasgol's data sheet to uh, yeah. to Facebook. Like, is it leaked... a data sheet or is it a monster sheet? <laughs> and it's, oh. Yes, I think you you're not wrong there, but yeah, it's. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Obviously, most conventions are actually pretty much all conventions are closed to the point where um, ITC uh, recently made the decision this week uh, to basically rescind all uh, tokens for submitting points. And then are, if you are in an area where the virus is under control and restrictions have been lifted or relaxed, you can sign up for an event, but like it has to go through the regional rep and they will take a look at the Mm -hmm. situation. But they're also going to be like, if we see an event with like more than 10 people in it coming from an area that can't have more than 10 people, you might get in trouble for that. So they're, you know, they're trying (laughs) to encourage people to be, to be smart and safe and healthy even while, but I had also like, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Uh, And there, there was a lot of discussion on it. There, there were people that were in a couple of different camps um, I, I'd say the three, there were three camps. One camp was just shut, uh, shut down ITC score submission entirely. Like just, we'll just, you know, wait until like May or June when things have cooled off a bit and then maybe start opening it up, but just don't, don't submit anything at all. Second group was, uh, let's do it region by region, kind of the plan that they went with, which was, uh, cause the logic was we don't want to punish areas where things are under control, but we also want to encourage people to follow their local guidelines. So like if you wanted a game in South Korea or like gamers in China, where they're actually starting to release some of the, the restrictions there because they have the spread of the virus under control, um, that you know those areas should still be able to get itc because it is a global organization at this point and then the third group was screw it just let us play don't put any restrictions on it which personally that is highly irresponsible mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but and, you know in in the end they went with the middle path which i think is fair it's a fair compromise now i sent mentioned earlier that uh games workshop was closed but they are not idle um the warhammer community site is continuing to be updated. Uh, they are all working from home and updating the website that way. And they also have added a uh, Twitter channel. They actually have have a Twitter account now, which I think is what at Warhamcom. Uh, War Warcom team. Warcom team. At, ah, see, I was at wrong. Warcom team. At Warcom team. Uh, so they've got a Twitter account. They also made their Twitch account free. So you can watch every video they've ever posted to Twitch right now for free. And they've also been doing online, uh, hobby hangouts with like 
Peach and some of the other members of the team. And uh, they've been trying to like encourage, like po- have people post what they're working on from home. Trying, to- they're trying to maintain the hobby community while everyone is stuck in their houses uh, with mm-hmm. with their backlog of plastic and uh, trying to encourage people to work on hobby. And they're like, "There's, I've seen, I've seen some people say like, there's no excuse for anybody to have gray plastic models by the time this is over." And I'm like, "Wow, you underestimate the size of my backlog." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I. I- I think I showed you or you guys my backlog, and it was like twenty-seven boxes worth of stuff. <laughs> Amateur. I mean, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, not you know, not to belabor the point about this, but we're just in a, we're in a really weird spot as far as a tabletop gaming hobby when you can't actually meet people to game with. Uh, not even like little games. Like we were in the middle of a kill team league. It has been postponed. I think they postponed it for two weeks originally, but now it's probably going to be postponed at least a couple of months until we're on lockdown shelter in place orders for another like 27 days. So I think that sounds right. Yeah. Ours ends April 24th. I know Minnesota has one that is supposed to end around April 12th. I will see how if if they can really relax that by then. Um New York is not going to be leaving lockdown anytime soon. Uh California is under under statewide lockdown. That that was interesting to watch that one go from like San Francisco to LA to yes, <laughs> to just California. Yeah. So, uh how, are you under a lockdown there in Phoenix? Kevin. No, um, there's bands of over, I think, 50 people. Restaurants are shut. Restaurants are shut down for um, in in uh, dine-ins, but they're all open for uh, takeout. Game stores are still open, so I've been picking up my sister's, which is why I have a lot more than boxes now. I've been picking up my sister's stuff to have things to work on while they're shut down. Like, my company is still sending people into the office for some inexplicable reason. So, like, it's... It's uh, it's not on lockdown, but it's definitely uh, restricted. It's definitely like there's yeah, it's definitely restricted. <laughs> yeah, I think here uh, shelter in place for us means you can go to the grocery store or a pharmacy or a bank or a hardware store. But other than that, you're not supposed to leave your house. You can't go over to anyone else's home like you can't have friends over. You can go for walks, but you have to stay like your group has to stay six feet away from other people's groups. And that can only be people from your same household. So, yeah, it's it's it just a lot of restrictions. And I've seen some people suggesting like for t- tabletop, like there's tabletop simulator and there are plugins for that that would allow you to play 40K. I have not had a chance to test those out yet. Also, because tabletop simulator is like 20 bucks or so. And which yeah. 20 bucks is not that expensive, but if it's something I'm only going to use like once or twice in, cause it, it's not going to take any less time to play 40 K over that. It's going to probably take more time with the learning curve. And if you're, if you're dedicated and you really want to get your game in, it, it's definitely has the tools to do it. It's just, I think for me, I'm just going to focus on hobby rather than anything else. Mm hmm. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention that's uh, related to the GW stuff, uh, since Adepticon was canceled, they are doing their uh, studio preview on Saturday the 28th, if this goes up before then, which I doubt it, but they're doing one on Saturday the 28th, and then they're also doing another one on April 4th, I believe. 
Yeah. So um, the, yeah, two weeks. So run. there are yeah. So there are previews that are coming. They're still planning on, you know, engaging with the community and stuff like that, which I think is great. Yeah. And and you mentioned Adepticon. Adepticon, I know, has formed a community. Like uh, a lot of the people who are going to go to Adepticon have formed a community on Facebook called Adepticant. And <laughs> for you know, for all the people who aren't who who are now without a con to go to, and Adepticon has also basically been reaching out to everyone who wanted to attend and is asking if they would be I, I think they're giving a few options one is just like a straight refund but they're also saying would you like to roll your account over till 2021 or would you be willing to donate your registration money to help keep us uh keep us fiscally solvent and from mm-hmm. the look of it a fair number of people were choosing to donate nice so uh and, and Admittedly, like for a for a huge con like that, especially to cancel at the last minute. Now, I imagine they were able to get away with uh, some sort of like force majeure uh, rule in their contract with the hotel or the convention center there in Schaumburg, because at you know they canceled also at the same time that Illinois put put forward a thousand person limit on events, which would have immediately shut them down. So, uh, so. Yeah, I mean they they're probably covered a bit, but they also still probably paid a lot of stuff out to for all the supplies to run an event. So, you know, definitely if you if you have it in you know the if you have the financial means to be able to let to donate your registration rather than getting a refund, I would highly recommend it just because that's the kind that's the lifeblood of a convention uh, as far as like financial solvency is they they need those registrations to to literally to function and and yeah and just kind of in general like uh you know out outside of this and a little bit away from the hobby for a moment in general if you have the ability to like continue to pay your bills if you have the ability to go visit like local restaurants and get you know and and get stuff from them or your friendly local game store or just any other local businesses that you can support through this uh you know please do like a lot of places are doing things where you know they're they're gonna not, you know allow you to not pay bills for a little while things like that. But if you can afford to, please try to do that just to keep these smaller businesses that are the lifeblood of you know the hobby community, but also just the community in general afloat. Oh yeah, definitely. And in fact, uh, the day before our lockdown went in place, I stopped by uh, my local game store, Pulp Fiction Comics and Games, and made sure to to buy. A bit more than I would normally, just because I knew they were going to be mm-hmm. without income for at least a month. And they said, and they have since said that, yeah, because of all their customers coming out and being very supportive and and buying buying stuff in preparation for the lockdown, that they're actually in a position where they can float for a little while. So it really does make an impact on your local area. And some stores have managed to get, like I said, get approval to do like mail order or carry out or delivery, but not all of them have. Uh, and even then it's going to be way less than their normal business. So yeah, anything you can do to, to support your local business, whether, um, it's, you know, whether it's like getting, getting that business before, like when the, when, you know, lockdown's coming or, uh, or, or just like, you know, I mean, a lot of restaurants are still open, even with the shelter in place, 
get carry out, especially if it's a smaller local family run place, get carry out. They really can, they really appreciate the business and they can really use it. And a lot of times they're also running really good specials to get people to come out. So you save a little, they get business, everybody wins. And speaking of that, normally I save this until after the letter segment, but I want to go ahead and get this out front. Uh, we do have a Patreon. I'm not going to put it on pause, but if you are in a, if you are not in a position because of your job, whether you have been laid off or put on furlough or you are just needing wanting to save for a rainy day just in case because you don't know what's coming down the road, please, please do not like if if the do not feel under any, any obligation to continue to support us. We have money set aside right now. Uh, we're not traveling anywhere right now. Don't need to <laughs> worry about travel funds. So we've got money set aside for several months worth of hosting at this point, thanks to you. So we're fine. Yeah, I would actually even go a step further and say that if you are supporting us and you have the extra money, donate it somewhere else. Yes. Like we're yeah, fine we, for now. Yeah, we are we are absolutely fine. Like I mean, if you if you really like if you're looking at it, it's like, yeah, I can afford like it's just a buck and I'm fine. Yeah, I'm not gonna like try to guilt anybody over that, but sure. But if you're like if you're donating more than that and you could f- donate there's plenty of groups that are trying to get together money to raise medical supply, you know, to buy medical supplies for hospitals that are going to desperately need it if they don't already desperately need it, um, or to provide funds for, you know, charities that help people who are out of work. Yeah, I mean, unemployment claims hit 3.5 million this week. So there's a lot of people out there who are going to need help. So, uh, or there's other groups like uh, over at Hammerhead Games, the Tony, the guy that runs that, is now raising money so he can buy materials to uh, laser cut face shields for hospital use in it, in his local area. Yeah. So, I mean, there's plenty of good good groups that you can give that money to that will need it far more than we will. So like I said, I won't pause it. If you really want to continue giving, we won't hold it against you. But please absolutely do not feel any obligation to continue. We'll be okay. Make sure you're okay. Make sure your community is okay. Uh, I want to talk about some fun stuff instead. <laughs> this no, is, there is no fun stuff. <laughs> no, no, there's still fun stuff. No, I, know, there is, I, yeah. I will. I'm going to say the first, like, the first week of this, I think I was just trying – to distract myself and I wasn't really taking much joy in anything. Now about a weekend, I think I've kind of made peace with it. So I'm, I'm in a much better frame of mind. And now I'm actually like seeing stuff like, Oh, this is actually pretty cool. So not, not the situation, but I can look at other right. things and enjoy the, enjoy yeah. them for what they are. Yeah. Um, uh, but okay. So like with all the stuff we've just talked about games, workshop has still continued to, announced stuff that was coming even when they had to cancel shipping or taking orders at the last minute. Um, Zotes were going up for pre-order. The the Zote yeah. box for uh, Blackstone Fortress. That, yeah, and that model just looks amazing. Just, uh, he's like a big, angry, green, fat centaur with, well, with cool laser guns. What's super cool about it is they, they posted the old, like... Um, rogue trader i think model as uh-huh. like a comparison and it's like 
it's like a one-to-one model. Like it's obviously it's way upgraded. They've got newer technology. It's better designed. It's better looking, but like it's the old model, which is just amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's no, it's pretty cool what they, what they've done with it. So yeah, the, yeah, it's got all the same equipment. It's just, yeah, scaled better and, and just sculpted, you know, obviously the technology and the, the skill of the sculpting team has changed quite a bit, but. It is a cool looking model. It's neat to see an alien race that does not match anything else that we've seen in 40K, at least yeah. in recent history. And then uh, there was also the uh, previews from uh, Gamma, the, uh, oh, the game yeah, show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I, I honestly even forgot about this one because I was like, that's. There was really only the one decade. Yeah, the, there's only been one thing for, like, well, I mean, there was like Necro. Um, so I will say Necromunda is getting its second gang book, kind of like a codex for Escher. They've already done one for, uh, House Goliath. So if you are a Necromunda player and I am actually painting my Eshers right now, hobby progress, woo, you know, those are coming eventually and, uh, more Serastus Knights for Titanicus. But the thing that was of most interest besides the pointy elves, which gosh, those new, uh, Heish mm-hmm. L's look so good for Age of Sigmar. But no, the 40k thing, they teased and teased and teased about it. They didn't quite come out and say exactly what it was, but if you know the the bit what the bits that they've shown represent, and you've seen the artwork that his assistant is taken from, we are mm-hmm. very obviously getting a new Fabius Bile. Which is awesome. We desperately needed a new model. Yeah, I mean, now granted, the old model still looked really cool. The old model is awesome, but a new model is going to be fantastic. And, you know, they haven't shown much of, like, they've shown the backpack, which apparently he has a brain in place of the uh, power generator or something that looks like (laughs) a fleshy brain. And then, like, his Churgeon's tools on his belt or, you know, attached to his coat and just a severed head, because why not? Is he a Drukhari? Chaos uh, going to chaos. <laughs> well, uh, we know that he's going to be in a book called War of the Spider, which is another Psychic Awakening book. We don't know much else. But then he's also got an assistant who is uh, retrieving gene seed for, for him from a fallen <laughs> Primaris. Yeah. So, okay, and, and that's open for a Primaris KDK, I hear. And that assistant, <laughs> there's actually a piece, let me find, kind of like how they took uh, Mephiston's new design from an old, uh, from an old picture of, you know, a, a, an old picture of Mephiston, like his pose and everything. Ooh, yeah, okay. Oh, wow, that's like, yeah, that's like the same pose. It's the same pose, same character. I mean, it's... Re- that's awesome. That means you're probably going to get the other guy that's carrying the whatever the hell he's carrying. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, that's like second edition. Yeah, that's from the second edition Codex artwork. The only downside is we just got new new awesome Chaos Marine models. I hope they don't go Primaris on us that quickly. Uh, I don't know if they will, but it would be cool to see if they did a even just like an upgrade sprue to to represent his like uh, genetically modified or like Super Marines would be kind of cool. Well, was it the was it the fourth edition codex? I think that actually had like his his 
enhanced Marines as like a separate unit you could take, but only if you took him. I believe like, there so. was like, yeah, like that was such a cool thing. And I was kind of disappointed that they took it out of the newer codexes. So maybe they're going to add something like that in. Yeah. Or a, a strat you could take. Yeah. Yeah. Some, something to, because that would be on, you know, consistent with what they've done with some of the other chaos stuff. So I could totally see that, or it, and it could be a strat that like costs zero. If you have Fabius bile in your army, what's, what is the weakest way they can make the, the rule work? And then in, <laughs> and then two week two months later, give uh, space Marines a, a much better version of it. <laughs> And then have to walk it back in a couple of months. (laughs) Sorry, not bitter. (laughs) Not bitter, totally bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, he's going, his new model is going to look really good. If if the assistant alone is any indication, Mm -hmm. he's, it's going to be a really cool model. Ah, so, oh, and then of course, Prophecy of the Wolf, which is the only way once they start shipping again to get the brand new Ragnar Blackmane and Gazgol models. And we have finally seen how Gazgol and Ragnar look. Ragnar, I think is a really good upgrade. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like the pose of him kind of like tiptoeing on top of a piece of uh, wreckage. It, it's yeah, not my favorite thing now, but the model itself otherwise like looks really good. So much better than the old one. I mean, it's night and day. And then there's new Gasgol, who is who is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look closely at Gasgol, you can see the details on the back where they where Grot, Matt, Mad Doc Grotsnick s- stitched his head back on. You can actually see the stitches. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is also why Gasgol is possibly one of the most broken characters. You can cut his head off, and it's merely an inconvenience. But oh, that new that new model is just—I mean, it's it's a perfect orc model. It it is the epitome of of orkiness. Just yeah. Strap all the shooters to it. Give them the biggest claw for the most crumpin. Give them a big old goth skull and horns made of his exhaust pipes, and but also I like the fact that you can still see like the orc underneath wearing the pants. So it's not like he's <laughs> like you can see his pants there. He's you know, and you can see like his shoulder. Like if you look, you can see his shoulder through like the gap between like the body and the arm, like on the underside. So it's like he's he doesn't wear the armor all the time. Apparently, it's his war suit. He's With, not sealed in it. He is absolutely not sealed in it. But he's tougher than most things that are. So, and then there's new Makari, who I think is a really good reimagining of Makari. If this oh, is the yeah. first time since what second ed he's been around. Or? Yep. Yeah. I think I even had that model back in second ed. But yeah, that that box set, much like for a long while until just the last week or two, um, how the uh, Eldar Dark Eldar set was the only way to get Janezar and Drezar. This is the only way for right now to get Ragnar and Gazgul. But I imagine in about five or six months you'll be able to buy them separately. And I'm going to say that box is not balanced in the Space Wolves' favor. Yeah. Well, they should say that. No. Well, let's see. No. The Space Wolf side is a unit of, looks like, 10 infiltrators and Ragnar Blackmane versus three mega knobs, a unit of five knobs, 
and Gasgol. And Makari. And Makari. And honestly, you could get rid of the Mega Knobs and the Knobs, and it would still be unbalanced at just Gasgol. What? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into why when we get to the the second part of the show. But yeah, it's it is not a box that it's like it's not a box that can re- that can fairly evenly be split. I just really don't think so. <laughs> but you know what? I'll toss the orc players a bone. They've been waiting a long time for this. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, not going to hold that against against them. We'll we'll let them have this. Xenos players are always complaining they get left behind. Not this time. I could. I sense that Richard's been like, "No, I'm I'm okay with orcs just dominating for the next few months until we get nerf batted." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think that pretty much covers it on news and new releases. Uh, so we're going to switch over to listener mail. Uh, as always, all these letters are written by you, the listeners. And at the end, we'll tell you how you can get your letters read on the air. We only have two in the hopper today, although one of them is quite long and covers many topics. So it more than makes up for it. So our first letter is from Clay Sudrath. Clay writes, greetings, reroll to hit in melee. Ah, somebody remembers the old ways. <laughs> <laughs> In episode 209, you mentioned that your listener mail queue was empty, so I thought I'd write and give you some biomass for thought. Feel free to split these thoughts up across multiple episodes if it suits you. No, thank you, Clay. We'll just, we've, it's taken a while to get to this point in the hopper, and we will totally use it. So, uh, so firstly, did any of you try my recommended super glue, Bob Smith Industries? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I have not. I, I can honestly say I haven't had, I haven't picked up any. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, Loctite Professional Works well enough for me so i've heard good things about other people that use bob smith industries but i have not picked any up yet i'm the same i have not picked up any new glue in a while yeah i i have not i actually haven't really needed to assemble anything in quite a while honestly except for a few things here and there that i still have glue for so yeah i have not picked up any yeah, and I've mostly been pick been I've mostly been using plastic cement on models. I generally save the super glue for fine cast and metal, so which I have worked with very little of lately. So grateful for that. But yeah, I've mostly been using uh, cement. Uh, so next next part. Second, my roommate Jake has a question. What is your preferred enemy? What is your favorite army to fight, and why? Hmm, it's a good question. I guess I can go ahead and start. Um. I always enjoy fighting orcs because uh, with the two primary armies that I've played, either Tau or Corn, they're typically pretty fun matchups because they're going to just line up and do what I do, which is like just line up and run at you. So uh, one of the most fun games I played at LVO was uh, I had three 20 man unit of berserkers and my opponent had four 40 man blobs of orc boys. And it was literally it looked like a uh, uh, fantasy eighth edition game where just block of troop would just slam into another block of troop, cut through them. And then another troop block would hit. And it was just it was so much fun to just see us all like rolling like 200 dice and melee and stuff like that. Um, and then when I play them, when I would play them as Tau, it was kind of fun to cast up in the corner and just know that the opponent's going to run to you. And, you know, you could shoot them down on the way over. 
Okay, guess for me, I uh, thank you for taking a while, Kevin, because I have to just thought, think about this one. Um, I'm going to actually say Eldar because um, that you was my boy. first army, and I like seeing other people's strategies. So for an army that I think I know well, I think it's fun to see what other people are doing with it that's different from how I view the army, how I play the army. So that way I can kind of glean some new insights on how to do Eldar better. I actually think I I find it interesting. I like playing against Space Marines because there's a, a fairly, you know, easy, like, expectation of, like, kind of what a Space Marine is, but their army can do so many different things strategically. Like, like that's where you know, they can surprise me is how, how is this space Marine army built? What are they going to tactically focus on and how are they going to, you know, deal with whatever like horde I throw at them? Because that's generally what I play is a horde army. (laughs) I think for me, I like playing against um, chaos space Marines the most just because there's so many different ways to build that. Now, I am not including Thousand Sons or Death Guard in that because they are technically different act, different factions that play very differently. But it's interesting to see how the different builds go. And then also sometimes, like, what do they partner up Chaos Space Marines with? Like, are, are they being partnered up with Demons or Chaos Knight? Or like, But, yeah, Chaos Space Marines just because of, you know, they can go, like, world eaters and be just very assault focused or they can be more shooty or they can be like deep strike sneak attack stuff. There's just a lot of flexibility there. And it's just like, you see that you're playing against chaos space Marines. You really aren't sure what you're going to get so that it's, it's the most, for me, it's the most interesting. All right. Next part. You also made the joke about dark angels being traitors, but that always leads me to think, what if they were and weren't? What if the line comes back, seeds a part of his chapter is in fact not just hiding previous heresies, but committing new ones. So the Dark Angels 2.0 codex would have an option that lets you play Renegade Dark Angels. You cannot take the lion, but you could instead drop the Imperium keyword and have other alliance options or some new and different army rule. Or perhaps they could do this in the lore only and leave us to continue to wonder if every Dark Angels player we see across the table is a loyalist or traitor. Addendum from Jake, Luther is still alive. <laughs> Which he is, and was released yes. by the Changeling, and I'm Sorry that Dark Angels ended up in Ritual of the Damned and not in a book with the Fallen. Yeah. And, like, I don't... It'd be interesting to, like, it, it sounds like, and, and if if I'm reading this wrong, obviously I can't say, Jake, please correct me, but if you guys think I'm reading this wrong, but it almost sounds like he's saying the Dark Angels would basically have three factions. You would have loyalist, loyalist, renegade, loyalist, and then the fallen. Yeah. I mean, I kind of took it as like fleshing out the fallen as basically, you know, evil renegade or, you know, however you look at it, the, the non evil renegade, uh, dark angels, but basically furthering that split and basically making dark angels into two separate armies in the same book. Mm-hmm. One, one, you know, one, uh, one loyalist, one chaos. And that's not a bad idea, but the problem is, is that, um, 
in this in the current way that like the game is designed right now with keywords and stuff, it would probably be better to release a separate codex for that. Um, just because you you create a lot of weird rules interactions with keywords. If you give, for example, like with the Fallen, the Fallen had chaos and the Imperium keywords. So now you have all of these exceptions where no, this keyword only applies to them, or this rule doesn't apply to these. And it creates a weird, it creates some weird rules interactions. So I think the cleaner way to do it would be to kind of split it off like like the KDK book was in Seventh Edition, or, where or you Kevin, create... we could just give them some commanders and have those commanders replace their keywords with the new. <sighs> commanders. I mean, it worked for Yanari, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so no, like like release a, you know, like there's no reason to not have multiple data sheets. Um, with different keywords on it. So release a fallen book as a full fleshed out codex, release dark angels as a full fleshed out codex. And yeah, like allow people to mix and match and play with keywords. And, and, you know, basically you have a dark angels codex that's traders, a dark angels codex that's for, you know, loyalists. And you could kind of then play off them that way, which I think would be very neat. But I don't know that they're going to clarify the story that much, though, because I think part of the cool mystery with the Dark Angels is you don't really know where they're at. So part of part of me would be a little bit disappointed if they lost that. Well, I, I think they've at this point, it's pretty solid that Luther is on the chaos side. I mean, I think they've, mm. they've pretty much defined that, which would put the lion on the loyalist side. I would like to see Lionel Johnson come back. Um, and, and you could definitely have a rule saying like Lionel, Lionel Johnson cannot be in a force with any fallen. I mean, just that, that would be a, just a hard strict rule, but yeah, I think fleshing out the fallen to be more than just like, and, and they did, they have a little bit in like, with like the specialist attachments where they in uh, like Vigilus Ablaze where you could actually play a fallen army and have like an HQ and and like build a battalion of fallen. But it would be nice to see the the fallen actually filled out enough with a couple more options where you could actually play a a fallen army and have a little bit of depth to it. Yeah. All right, next up, uh, continuing the letter. Uh, In regards to your thoughts on a new player, you hit the key point of always playing factions you love. I have been with Tyranids since I started the game in 2001, and we've had our ups and downs, but I always enjoy them, even if they only work in themed games or narrative campaigns where I'm as much an NPC as an actual army. This rings especially true as I'm currently painting Primaris Marines to be my primary competitive army until we get a Tyranids 2.0 book. And for the record, Blood of Ball wasn't a 1.5 or even a 1.25 codex for Tyranids. It's stuff we should have had in the book to begin with. It doesn't make any of the existing armies that much better, but it does make a few new builds viable. My Kraken Gene Stealer's got exactly one thing that makes a significant difference. This is the psychic power that grants a reroll to charge. While that is quite awesome, it's not enough to put me at the same power level as other codexes. I'm not mad at GW for this. They were hammering codexes out an insane pace to get everyone a real book for 8th edition. I am admittedly a bit salty that my snacks, the Gene Stealer cult, are better than the army they exist to serve. (laughs) (laughs) Richard, what's your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Like I do, I kind of agree with him. I was I I like that that there was the the amount of stuff that there was in Blood of Ball 
but the way the Tyranids are and like the variety of builds that you can go with on the Tyranids, like it, it diffuses how much like good stuff there is for how you kind of tend to build or what your preferred build for Tyranids might be. And so like, yeah, there's not, cause when I looked through it, I was like, yeah, there's lots of stuff in here. Um, uh, there's maybe one or two things in here that I'm going to really get use out of for the way I typically play my army. So I, 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 I actually agree. Yeah. And they definitely didn't get the kind of power buff that like blood angels got out of that book or that gray knights got out of ritual of the damned. Yeah. But, but no, I agree with him that it's, it's some stuff that they should absolutely should have had. And I think some of it is like new ideas that they've had, uh, I mean, like the the new adaptations they can take, which now we're seeing in other armies like Tau with their their special war gear that they can now take. And we're going to see some of that in this book as well for orcs. Um, it's definitely ideas that they may not have had at the time they wrote the codex, but it, you know, they're all good ideas. But, yeah, it definitely doesn't elevate them to the power level that that other armies are. But it, it's a good fill in for the rest of the codex. All right, next. Uh, I'd like your thoughts on my feelings towards Land Raiders. I'd like them to be more relevant in the game. Aside from letting them carry Primaris Marines, I think the correct action is to make them far tougher as benefits their reputation. 20-plus wounds, an invulnerable save, T10, ignoring AP 1 and one and 2, or some combination of these would make them play like the lore, the unstoppable rolling fortress they're supposed to be. The Repulsor brings all the guns, but the Land Raider carries a few more and is harder to bring down. I think we've talked about this before uh, when we were doing uh data sheet doctors for space Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is in the lore, the land Raider was like the end all be all. It was the pinnacle of here's your monster thing to put on the table that everyone's afraid of. Cause I remember a couple of editions ago, it was like, you saw land Raider. You were like, Oh my gosh, how do I deal with that thing? Well, that kind of got replaced with knights and flyers and all these other things that are harder to deal with. So it, and it's been outclassed by all the bigger guns that the game has put into play. So it's because, I mean, I was lamenting earlier to you guys here about Terminators not being all the big bads anymore. They're now just kind of mm-hmm. ho-hum. So it's just – and I agree with him. I would love to see the Land Raider get a buff. I would love to see Terminators get a buff because that's kind of what you remember about Space Marines is Terminators and Land Raiders. Mm-hmm. Well, the the one I kind of you mentioned with Terminators that got me thinking. I think it was back in what second edition where Terminators basically had like their armor save was like three up, but you rolled two d six and took the yeah. better one. I almost wonder if you could do something like that with Land Raiders and Terminators and be like, give them give them a special rule, apply it just to those two units, or maybe those units in Dreadnoughts or something, you know, and uh, another unit that you might want to like buff up and be like, you know. When they make an armor save, you roll two dice and you take the higher. That immediately right there would make both of those units a lot more resilient. And it would make them a little more immune to like the small arms fire. It would take it would take more focus to 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 take them down and it would kind of make them stand out a little bit on the battlefield. Yeah, I like now looking at the particular changes he he suggests, and, I, and obviously he's not suggesting all of these. But like, mm-hmm. oh, like, okay, 20 plus wounds. I don't know if I want a land raider quite in night territory because that moves it firmly into Lord of War territory. 
I might like right now, I think they're 14. I could see bumping them up to 16. That's about as far as I'd want to go with it. An invulnerable save. I wouldn't be adverse to them having a five up save. Yeah. I, I really wouldn't. As long as chaos land Raiders got the same thing as well. But I would. <laughs> I know. Because we, we know it won't happen. I know. W- wishful thinking, but <laughs> well, just tell Zinch that all these land raiders are his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, you, Chaos Marines just don't have enough of the the sacred oils to rub on their on their land raiders. <laughs> we all know this. Right. No, it, we do have Slanesh has all the go juice you want, baby. Whoa. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, but it all gets wasted in those uh those chariots. <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna warn you, I'm like, be very careful where you end that sentence. Go on. <laughs> Anywho, insert moving, noun moving here. Right insert into noun here. Man, we should moving make some 40k mad lips. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Uh I think actually 40k Mad Libs would would be a a fun activity. It would. (laughs) Let's see. What else? Uh, T10. Mm, No. I'm just going to say no right there. T10 is into Titan territory at that point. Yeah. I will agree on that. Yeah. That's that's a little too much. I know. I wanted like the Wraith Knights to have T10 just due to the fact that they were dying so easily. But (laughs) looking at the math, no. T8 is probably as high as you can get. You should go. Yeah, like I said, T10 is is getting you into like Reaver or Warlord Titan. It's it's really powerful. And then uh, ignoring AP minus one and minus two, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I'd be yeah, fine with a land great. raider ignoring small arms fire entirely, or you know, just basically always just getting their straight up two up save against it. I'd be fine. I'd be good with yeah. that. Yeah, because I definitely do think that the land raider is underpowered. Uh, under survivable for what it's supposed to be it i mean it does have a few other things like they're usually packing a fair number of guns they ignore the penalty for moving and shooting heavy weapons so you you got to be careful that you don't make them super powerful i'd also just like uh, something else like uh, like either ignoring small arms fire and or the invulnerable save would be good the other thing, and I think we mentioned this during Day Sheet Doctors, is denying Overwatch if you charge if you charge the turn yes. you disembarked from one. Yes. I think that would be because then that would give it that feeling of an assault vehicle. Because that was always the thing about you took Land Raiders because it was the only vehicle, at least in like fourth and fifth, or at least in fifth edition, is the only vehicle that you in fifth through seventh you could charge from it. Like that was one of the only yeah. Space Marine vehicles you could charge from. Maybe you could, and yeah. those additions for me, uh, the lander is just a paperweight that tried to move and then rolled a one and botched and sat there for the entire game. This is I true. mean, that happened to me a lot too, but still. <laughs> you but, took it in your army list for the one time it worked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a or lot like, of mileage out of my Land Raider Crusaders when I played Temp my Land Raider Crusader when I played Templars. I had so much bad luck with mine. So Yeah, what's it what's it like having options? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Or like, <laughs> like charging out of the land raider. Like any Overwatch actually goes against the land raider. Oof! Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. 
All right, and then last bit of question. Uh, my last thought is something for the future of the game. I think Warhammer needs a smaller game size format. Magic the Gathering has many formats that are quite strong, several such as EDH, aka Commander, were community made. Currently, we have two commonly used format, 2,000 point match play and the friendly format, which isn't as rigidly defined, but by its nature shouldn't be. What I feel we need is a second competitive format, something smaller and designed to play faster and on smaller tables. When I started in third edition, the game, the Games Workshop store near me ran a thousand point games on game night for the express purpose of getting three rounds of games in without needing an entire day to do so. I think games around that size would work to give us something between a full game and kill team. There would need to be restrictions, Lords of War, Flyers, I'm sure there are other things that would become broken in this game size. Uh, what do you think it would take to make this work? As always, thank you for my rambling thoughts. Hopefully it will spawn some good discussion. Thank you from Jake, the aforementioned roommate, and Clay. I, I am in total agreement that uh, I think a thousand point format would be great. I will agree with that too. The only caveat I have is it splits up how much many people you have for the events. That's the only thing I would be scared about. Um, well, I think... You, how do I want to phrase this? I don't <laughs> think you would, this, you would not run GT's nest. Like, I don't think I would run a thousand point and a 2000 point side by side. Yeah. That was my thing. Yeah. 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 But what I would do is, and I know we mentioned this in, in a, like a couple episodes in the past is like, again, magic is a, I, I think because magic is kind of like the big, the big palooka as far as, uh, um, competitive gaming, like competitive tabletop gaming. Magic is a good model to compare against. Um, they when when they don't have all their events canceled because of world plague, um, they have, uh, all these different like magic fests, pro tour qualifiers, etc. And each one is a different format. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go to this city, we're playing standard, which means like the newest decks and like the only cards from like the last year and a half, two years. This event, we're playing Legacy, or maybe not, or we're playing Pioneer, which is like a newer format that is all cards from like 2012 or 2013 forward. And then this event, we're doing Draft, which is only the latest set, but you don't know what you're making. You don't know what you're playing when you get there. You you build the deck on the fly. Obviously, you don't do Draft with 40k, but again, it's like showing that... That would be funny. It would be funny. Mm-hmm. But the to but basically it shows like the best players are the ones who can excel at all formats. So it's really a measure of how good you are as an overall gamer rather than how good are you with like this one thing. So I could definitely see rather than having like two separate tracks, having some events like like having GT or or having like 2000 point events and thousand point events and having them both weighed similarly but maybe put a cap, kind of like how ITC has a cap on, like, you can have so many scores from GTs, you can have so many scores from RTTs and so many scores from majors. Uh, maybe say, like, you can have this many scores from 2,000-point events and this many scores from 1,000-point events. So that to be, like, the best overall player, you have to be able to excel at both. And I think that would be that would be a good way to do it. Um, as far as the format... Um, I think you definitely could put in restrictions like uh, you could you could put in a, a no Lord of War or you definitely at a thousand points. I think they recommend only one detachment anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, you could basically put in a, a solid one detachment limit, which would 
basically give you either a battalion or a brigade or I mean you could, you could still have Florida Wars. Yeah, you could still you could have you could do a supreme a command super heavy detachment of armagers. Yeah, you could do a supreme. You you could get you could do a a knight and a couple of armagers, like two or three armagers in a thousand points. You wouldn't be able I to just, do like a castellan in that that oh, many points. No, but, no. And you I, could I just put wonder if it might be better for something like this to where I know when. And, and granted, this is more of the analog to kill team. Um, but when when Age of Sigmar did like their skirmish version, um, they put out a separate book. They didn't do it quite like kill team where it's actually different rules and different stat blocks or anything. But the book gave you a essentially a curated list for each faction as to what you could take mm-hmm. in that game. And, and then that was, then that was it. And I think like maybe something like that actually might work better. Yeah. I think you're correct. Cause I think that for, for the, for it to catch on with the community, I, I think you could easily do this. If you, if, if, for example, the four of us decided to sit down and curate a thousand point format, I think we could get it to catch on in our local area to get it to be widely accepted. It really needs to come from GW as a format that they decide to support. And that would yeah. come in the fact, like you said, of publishing a book, publishing curated lists, you know, not allowing certain things, not allowing certain stratagems, limiting this and that. And I think the only way to get widespread, uh, acceptance of that would be for it to come from from gw or maybe from the itc but itc has shown that they don't want to be in the in the rules game they want the you know they they're like we're gonna let you help you run the tournaments set your own rules so i mean to to bring it back to kind of the the magic the gathering comparison where commander which is this big huge really popular format now in in magic it is directly supported by wizards of the coast as Mm -hmm. like an official format but the rules and all of that uh their ban list and all of that is actually controlled by uh the edh like council that's not actually a a wizards of the coast thing it it's always kind of been this fan origined format and it's only just been supported by wizards of the coast because it became so popular yeah the games workshop or sorry games were back to the other company uh yeah wizards of the coast doesn't maintain like they have a like you can go on wizards of the coast site and find the band list for commander but that's because they get that from the commander rules group which they have their like they even have an advisory committee of people who are active in the community who get together and discuss topics and provide their feedback to the rules group and then the rules group takes that feedback and decides what they want to do and then they pass that along to games workshop and again games workshop. they pass that along to <laughs> wizards of the coast and wizards of the coast then just pushes that online and then they use that to kind of determine like, okay, well, these are the products that we're like, this is what we want to print. This is what we're going to like reprint. 
Like when they started doing like the first commander product, it was kind of a gamble to see if they could even sell it because people had already kind of decided what they wanted to do on their own. And it ended up being a smash success and they've done it every year for what, like the past nine years. I think the first commander product was like 2011, 2012. Yeah, I believe so. And so it's been a huge success and there's nothing saying a format couldn't be successful without like games workshop supporting it. But I do think you're right. The game you'd have to, even if it was like mostly curated by the community, it would have to be, you'd have to have buy-in from games workshop to really get, get it to be successful. And one other thing to keep in mind is just because this is a thousand point format, not a 2000 point format, do not think that it is not going to be breakable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of people like, well, if we just get rid of this, this, and this, or if we reduce the game size down to this, well, that fixes all the problems with the game. No, it doesn't. It just shifts where the meta is and makes certain certain models will become better at that other game, at the smaller game size. So don't think that this is like a panacea for fixing everything, but it would be a format that would play very differently, even under the same rule set and with the same army options. So I th- I think it would be a very good thing and I think it would encourage a would encourage more well-rounded more well-rounded players at a competitive level if you had to compete in both and it would also give the ability to get a get a three-round tournament in in an evening or an afternoon rather than an all-day event. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely for that. Time is time is very precious. So it is being able to get something like that, like you could get in a five round thousand point GT in a day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And not feel exhausted because at the end you're probably only playing five. You're, you're probably playing seven, seven and a half out. Like it, a five round would take about as long as a three, three rounds of a GT. So, yeah. or, you know, three rounds well, that- of 2000 point. And that's why I think that there is definitely potential because I think being able to hold like one day events and being able to have multiple rounds, do a 64 team tournament in a day, you know, that I think there's definitely a benefit to that. And I think there's a space for it, but I I do think you'd have to get, you'd have to get some widespread buy-in, I think, to be able to, to really make it take off. Yeah. And like I said, you would have to have, the other reason you'd have to have support is because as we have learned personally, if you tell people, yeah, we're going to be playing a smaller point size, and there are a lot of people who will just tell you, then I won't come because I want yeah. to bring all my toys. But if you make it as, hey, we're doing this month, we're doing a, a thousand point, next month, we're doing a 2000 point, and they're both ITC events and they both go for your score. You'd have, there's, mm-hmm. there's multiple entities you'd have to get buy in from to make people accept it and want to play with it. Yeah. I mean, like, so for example, for us, and obviously there's for Midwest Conquest, there's a lot more complexities and stuff that, you know, we don't need to get into. But let's say that we had a space where we could get magically anytime we needed and we had all the terrain and all the setup we needed and we're able to like run an event once a quarter. Yeah, I think in that case you could be like, hey, you know, in January we're running our 2000 point two day tournament. But in April, we're going to run a, you know, one day thousand point event or something like that. And I think you could kind of alternate and get buy in if you have multiple formats. Yes. But there's very few tournament organizers that have the ability to do that. Yeah. 
And, and yeah, you'd have to alternate. Like I said, I don't, if you tried running them side by side, you would just end up cannibalizing both, especially if they're both considered competitive events. So yeah, you'd have to alternate and yeah, and finding the, the space and time to do that. But it, I think if you, like, I know the, the renegade group, they run several events throughout the year. Mm -hmm. They could totally do something like that. A lot of the groups out on the coasts could totally do something like that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that was our letter from Clay and Jake. Thank you, Clay, for writing that. That was a nice long letter with lots of different topics. And then our last letter is from Red Rabbit. Red Rabbit writes, uh, Dear favorite adversaries, how are y'all doing? Good, I hope. Well, <laughs> this is my happy face right now. <laughs> uh, so he's like, quick and simple today. With the ad mech getting all of these new units, the Batcopter, Rough Riders, and the Gargoyles, which is a great way to describe all their new <laughs> units. Uh, how do you think this is going to impact the army in the meta? I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on it since y'all hate ad mech. Anyway, y'all stay safe and enjoy y'all's day. And, and the y'alls are in the letter. I am reading them as they are. Uh, Red Rabbit, P.S. I didn't mention the tank because that thing is like $70. I will. Well, get, I, get it straight. We we hate Astra Militarum. There right, we go. Yeah. Ad mech. Uh, yeah, I, I love that mech. I just don't want to play another army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's that's the issue. Is there's only four of us. They keep on adding more factions. We don't have the dollars to buy all of the factions. <laughs> yeah, we have re- we have reached capacity <laughs> at this point. I uh, have a boatload of sisters of battle boxes that I still need to put together. So I'm like, I'm already I'm good <laughs> deep in a new army right now. <laughs> uh, no, I love the design of Admech. I I love what they bring to the game. I think they're very cool. It's just. I don't want to learn how to play them <laughs> and build the army and all yeah. that stuff. So, so I will say that um, he said didn't he, you know? PS didn't mention the tank. I think the tank is very important to mention the because the the transport having having transport options or the the mortar gun that can just you know ignore line of sight and is quite effective. And those things have lot have a surprising amount of guns on them. Uh, yeah. I think the tank the tank has definitely changed up how they play. Uh, the um, the new units like the 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 new not horse riders, the new f- jump units with gargoyle wings, or you know with like big leather wings, and and the new uh, archaeopter with its like multiple builds is I think you're going to see a more of a transition from Mechanicus armies that kind of plod forward and do a lot of shooting to much more mobile Mechanicus mm-hmm. armies. And I, it'll be interesting to see which, like, being a, that's one good thing is about adding these new units is it gives that army multiple builds. And the army does already have multiple builds, but for the most part, they play kind of samey. I mean, like, you've got a couple of units that are fast, like the Dragoons. But for the most part, you know, it's a it's a foot slog. Before the addition of the transport, uh, they were very much just a foot slogging army that just moved forward and tried to shoot you off the board. But they didn't move forward very quickly. And what they needed was something to help them cover ground, take objectives, etc. This definitely gives them that capacity. But it, there will be trade offs since they can't take it all at once. So I think mm-hmm. it'll create a lot more interesting builds for Admech. I mean, some of the other things that have changed up Admech is just the addition of a couple of characters. The uh, the tech priest, uh, min- oh, is it the manipulus? The 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 big fatty yeah, priest. 
Yeah, Manipulus, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Daedalus, the tech priest from the uh, uh, Black Blackstone Fortress Escalation box. I've seen those characters in pretty much every Admech army I've played against in recent history. Uh, they're <laughs> very, very solid choices, and and they provide a lot of, like, stacking buffs for that army as far as, like, rerolling hits, rerolling wounds, things like that. Um, so... Yeah, there, there's some, like, do, it doesn't take a lot to make an army more effective, and this just having a lot more options for movement is, like, the last piece in the puzzle that Admech needs to be a really successful army on its own. And I think we're seeing more of that from Games Workshop trying to encourage armies to feel complete, because I think they see, I think they see, like, the complaint about soup armies as like narratively a soup army is fine, but competitively, like they want armies to feel kind of holistically complete mm-hmm. and they're getting in, they're definitely moving in that direction and getting to a point where you, an army can cover more bases, but still not like cover everything. It's, it will still have things that it's not great at, but uh, this definitely gives Mechanicus the movement capacity that it really needs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it just, it fleshes them out because like we're seeing with sisters now that they're kind of becoming a more complete army. And with some of the new units, uh, primaris Marines are becoming more of a complete army. Uh, you know, they're adding extra things into like Yanari and, and, and Eldar and things like that. Like we talked about the Tyranids in the last letter, like giving them the things to make them play like a fully fleshed out army. Um, I think that's really where GW is trying to take this, but yeah, they don't want to, make it where all of a sudden Admech are out there with, you know, orc buggies and things like that and able to, you know, run down the fastest armies in the game, but giving them mobility to help them just play like everyone else is, is very helpful and very useful to them. Cause it, it really feels like Admech are now a fully fleshed out force in this universe. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, that's important, especially considering that when we first got Admech added into the game, they a they were piecemeal added in two separate books, and even once they had both of those and the new codex, they still felt like a very incomplete army. Yes, like, like you okay, so you have a couple of troops choices and like one or two fast attack, one or two this, but not a lot of variety in those options. And now having just a lot more options to be able to build out a decent army with that can cover multiple bases. But, you know, they're still, they don't still, still have like no psychic capability. Um, they, but they, and they also like, they play kind of like Tau, but not exactly like Tau. So you have two non-psychic, non-assaulty armies that, although Admech actually does have some assault cape, you know, assault capacity, mm-hmm. but, uh, the, you know, you get two armies that still play very differently. So that, you know, so they're not stomping on each other design wise, which is good. No, I, I think it, it gets them to where they need to be. And that's that's a very important thing for an army to have is is just those options to flesh them out and make them feel holistically complete. All right, uh, that does it for our this listener mail. And if you have a letter that you would like us to read on the air, there are three good ways to do that. First is email us. Our, you can email us at our first names at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Uh, second is our Facebook page. We are at facebook.com slash preferredenemies. You can like us there, follow us. Uh, we post uh, news, updates. Uh, I've been doing a couple of video updates from time to time, letting just kind of checking in with people, letting, you know, seeing how everybody's doing. 
And then third is our Twitter account. We are at Twitter uh, slash preferred enemy singular. And we take uh, all the questions and letters we receive from all of those, uh, throw them into the hopper and get through as many as we can in an episode and then just keep going from there. Uh, the hopper is now currently empty. So if you want to get your letter read on episode 214, now is the time to get it in. So, uh, uh, so yeah, just get those in and we will read them on the air. Uh, we've already talked Patreon earlier in the episode, so we don't need to recover that. So, but we will cover hobby progress real quick. Um, since we're going to have a lot of that, I imagine over the next, <laughs> uh, couple months. Um, so in, like I said, I, earlier, I'd been kind, like the first week of this, I was just kind of going through the motions, but I did something non 40 K, but games workshop related. I got my beast grave starter box put together. I got, uh, I picked up like the week before everything went pear shaped. I picked up, uh, blitz bowl the streamlined version of Blood Bowl. I uh, picked up uh, the core set in like three teams from uh, Barnes & Noble, and I got those put together in a couple of days. So I'm going to work on getting those painted up. I was hoping to be able to play that, but obviously I need a second player for that. Um, and then I have started kind of like looking through my backlog of stuff and trying to figure out things that I have. First, starting with things that I have half done. Because originally I was like, I'm going to do some gallows humor and build my Mortarian that I've been sitting on. Cause that seems vaguely appropriate. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I have him, I have the box out and ready to go along with the creature caster, like Nurgle demon prince that I won at flying monkey, the flying monkey night joust, uh, last year. Uh, they are there to be put together, but I decided to look through some of my, uh, backlog of stuff that I had started, but hadn't finished like not, not just like I had not just built, but things I'd actually like gotten halfway through painting and then just stopped, you know, cause you know, I have the attention span of a squirrel. Um, and, uh, so I found my, uh, Necromunda Eschers and I have been working this week on getting them knocked out and I'm mostly done. I'm getting to the point where I'm working on small details. Uh, they're, they're not, uh, like, the the newer stuff I've been doing on them, I'm very happy with. The older work I had done on them, I'm not – and this was the reason I set them aside. I was kind of getting frustrated with it. So it's not – they're not as good as I would like them to be, but I think they'll look decent by the time I'm done. And then um, the day before uh, all the stores here closed, I went ahead and picked up uh, the easy-to-build Redemptor Kit. I have a regular Redemptor <laughs> Kit that I have yet to build, but I figured I would buy the easy-to-build because I was kind of curious how easy-to-build it was. Um, that thing went together super fast. It, it definitely lives up to the name and it looks fine. I'm going to add some blood angels iconography onto it with bits I got from, uh, pop goes the monkey and, uh, it will be ready to join my, uh, Primaris, uh, blood angels army when, you know, once I get painted. But, um, the one thing I wish is that I had, cause it's got on that big 80 mil base. I wish I had, um, some of the, uh, they made the uh, Sector Imperialis large, like large model basing kit where it just like has a whole bunch of bits to glue onto larger bases because they have it for like knights and such. And this is a big enough base. I would like to have that, but I can't order it right now from anyone. So uh, like, and I think there's like one vendor on Amazon who had one in stock, but also even Amazon shipping is slow right now because they're busy shipping like important healthcare stuff. So that kind of takes precedence. So, uh, so I'll figure out what I'm, how I'm going to base it later. But, um, 
So yeah, I've got that done. Going to try to finish up the Eshers in the next couple of days. And then I don't know if I'm going to move on to the Goliaths after that. I might in the middle of that put together the new Shadow Sun, which I have. So it's just like I'm going to kind of be alternating to like build some stuff, paint some stuff, build some stuff, paint some stuff, and just work, start working through my backlog or at least moving things on my Kanban board forward, which that that will be progress in and of itself. <laughs> So the game stores here are still technically open. So I've been able to pick up the the second wave of the sister stuff. So I've been basically building out the army that I'm going to take to LVO next year, assuming there is an LVO next year. Um, so, you know, so I can kind of plan out and I've built basically the 2000 point list that I want to take and then I'm buying towards that. So I've been putting uh, all the assembly and stuff, and then I picked up from Shadow's Edge Miniatures, uh, which I saw, I think, on I think I saw on the uh, Bell of Lost Souls or on uh, Goat Boy's blog, one of one of the two, uh, where they'd had a link about it or an article about it. They have a Rosarium Army set resin base kit. Uh, so I've picked up a couple of those and I sent you the link through through Skype to look at if you want. But uh it's these kind of sector imperialist type bases, but with like Florida de Lis and, you know, other oh, things on nice. them. So, yeah. So I picked up a bunch of those. So I basically right now have all of the models built and I'm waiting for the bases because I want to put them oh, on the and bases. They, and then they, I can they start. even they give you the number of bases that you need for the army box. Yes. Exactly. Yes, Down yeah. to the 28 mil, so which I, they're finally selling 28 mil bases at uh, Games Workshop now, because apparently yeah. the ban- new Banshees and new, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Incubi. Incubi, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. The new Banshees and Incubi are also on the 28 mil. And it turns it, out they're like 28.5 mil. <laughs> yeah, is it the is it the Repentia or is it the... Uh, it's the Repentia. Uh, is the Repentia. Okay, it's the Repentia. The yeah. the, uh, so... The 25 mils are for the um, Arc of Flagellants. That's right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I've ordered they – have, they have a couple different sets. I ordered basically the army kit, which is everything you need for the army box. I think I ordered actually three of that one because I needed multiples of some of them. And then I ordered a couple of just other you know, 32 mil sets. Uh, I have no idea when those are going to ship. I have no idea how long those, you know, that's going to take right now because – everything's crazy um but i'm waiting on those and then in the meantime i've got other things that i can start working on painting um i've been uh, until a part of my 3d printer broke and actually you mentioned the amazon thing uh i went to reorder the part that i needed i'm like oh i can get this oh it's on prime won't ship until june i'm like well crap (laughs) (laughs) so uh i'm so i'm trying to fix my 3d printer and so like that but in the meantime i'm also working on painting and finishing up a couple of things that I was going to be using for prize support for Midwest conquest. But, uh, we'll have, we'll just have cooler stuff for next year. Yeah. I think that's the thing is we're, we're just going to try to make this a better Midwest. We're just going to use this time to make what we were going to do better. Yeah, exactly. Okay. For me, how many of you guys remember dark Imperium? I do. I do. Nope, never heard of it. Okay. Well, I finally got my half of the Dark Imperium box put together. Nice. It's been, what, two years, maybe? Something, something oh, like that. Longer than that. But, I mean, the other Three. thing that was taking a while was I was cutting off the shoulder pads since they're the molded ones that you can't just put on a shoulder pad to put Death Watch shoulder pads on them. And that wasn't fun, so I stopped, and, well, I have time, so I did that. 
<laughs> and then after I was done with that, I decided to start cleaning up all these spare sprues I had just lying around the basement. And would you believe I was able to make 14 more space wolves between um, <laughs> make some blood um, claws and, and wolf guard just out of spare sprue parts. I, I believe it. So I, I made 14 more space wolves. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then um, my, my one last purchase that I did before um, things closed down was I did go ahead and buy the Jane's R and I put her together and she is totally awesome. And I can't wait to get this model painted and used on the table because it's a really cool model. Um, and then past that, yeah, I've got, just went back to working on more death watch. I got my death watch bikers finally put together some other death. And I found a couple death watch people that had fell behind some terrain in the basement. <laughs> so yeah, cleaning up things and, and doing things. I'm still on a roll. I've like, I, I half mentioned earlier is I still have like my slanesh beasts, um, the fiends, um, and lots and lots of other boxes, like Sisters of Silence. But I'm still waiting until Talons of the Empire, something comes out to make them more useful than they are currently. And then just some other random things like I, the, the Stormfang gunship, which I was kind of hoping there might be an update or something in this one for it. But there's like, a, a I think there's a strat for it. There's a strat, but it it's something. It's something, <laughs> but yeah. So, it, like, like you guys have said, it's probably a lot of just getting things put together, and yeah, maybe I will run out of glue during this this frenzy. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, fortunately, hardware stores are still open, so you can always get more glue. Yay! I have done two things, and that is Jack and Squat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I know, so like, I, up until, I, what, like, Monday, you were swamped in work trying to get stuff done before the shutdown. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it's been, there's, uh, work has been a big fluctuation of, like, not really having a lot to having a whole bunch to not having a whole lot. It's really... Like this would be our one of our busy times of the year normally, and then schools and sports and stuff all get canceled and closed, and so it starts slowing down. But then once they decided that that they were going to shut us down, they wanted to just get everything out the door that they could. So like I was called in on a day off and ended up working, you know nine, 10 hour days. I, it's just, yeah, I, I, and these last couple of days being my first days actually off of work, I've not done hardly anything. So, and well, yeah, enjoy, enjoy a little bit of downtime for a bit and then fill your empty time with, with stuff. I, I'm sure in a couple of weeks you will have plenty, have done plenty. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up the first portion of our show. So we're going to go ahead, uh, take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, we'll be talking about our main topic, which is our look at Saga the Beast. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. 
They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is our look at Saga of the Beast. This volume in the continuing series of Psychic Awakening focuses, uh, obviously, as as we've talked about earlier, on the Space Wolves and Orcs. I don't think this was any surprise when we saw the name of it. Uh, it was like, well, we know Nids are already covered. What other beast do we have? Well, Orcs. So... Uh, and this book definitely does not disappoint in giving you space Mar- or giving you space wolves and orcs. Although I am disappointed that the fight that they've been building up to, with all the releases and all the the teases and 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 uh, focusing on Ragnar Blackmane and uh, Gazgul, their last fight takes place before this book, and they never actually meet each other in this book. In fact, the entire book is the chase to find Gazgol. <laughs> Isn't this the standard MO of all the books now, Rob? I know. It's this, this one. Okay, I, I will give this one credit for a couple of things. One is that unlike other books in the Psychic Awakening series, where you always like they get they either they build up one big battle and then get to the halfway point of that battle or they build up a whole lot of little battles and get up to the climax of those battles but don't tell you how they turn out and again that's because they want this to be a narrative thing in this book they have a whole lot of little battles and they resolve each one, although a couple of them say, but there will be more fighting to do elsewhere on planet, etc. They finish up all these little battles, but they don't... Re- so I'll give them credit for that, but at the same time, these battles don't really move the needle any, which is also on par for these books. Well, you also said the same thing about the Eldar one. 
lots of battles needle really wasn't moved okay yeah no okay that's a fair comparison this is similar and also the book that was accompanied by a box set uh, that is true <laughs> and that was built around a fight between two characters who never actually meet in the book so yes i would say this is a very good analog for blood of the phoenix or uh, no that was the box set phoenix rising was the yeah. was the book just like this is the box set for this is Prophecy of the Wolf and this is Saga of the Beast, which don't really match at all. And why would I confuse the two? However, I will say that the the orcs only lose like two of these battles. The Space Wolves do not have a good record ending this. I mean, when one of the battles literally ends with the sentence, the sons of Russ had failed. Not a good day. Well, my interpretation is this is so they can start getting rid of all the old Space Marines and get them replaced with Primaris, because when we get to the troops, the majority of the updates in here are all for Primaris Space Wolves. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, uh, yeah, so not to spoil it too much, but the Ragnar and Gazgold never do meet in the book. Although there's a lot of, there's a lot of little bits and pieces, like like side bits inside stories where it's like this hero, this space wolf hero died doing this. So does his saga and thus ends his saga. But then there's a couple of like, like this person like took down this great orc orc monster. Thus his saga continues. So there's like little bits of storytelling, which are kind of nice, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, Again, like a lot of the Psychic Awakening books, it feels kind of half complete. And then we get the whole Echoes of Awakening, which, again, is more little bits and pieces and hints of things that are coming up. So, for example, here's one. The foul, barren mountains of of Barbarus, the bitter teachings of an ungrateful son, and the malevolent churnings of the eye have turned these death guard into beasts. Such things twist the emperor's vision. These abominations insult his name and threaten his realm. Their breathing is crime enough to warrant the penalty of death. I will gladly bring it to them. My spear will run with their blood. That has to be coming from a custodes. And since (laughs) death guard and custodes have not been covered yet, I'm going to guess that they are in an upcoming book. Obviously we know uh, engine wars, the next book that will be coming and that's the mechanicus demons and knights and chaos knights. This one is definitely going to be death guard versus custodes. And then there's another one. Uh, let's see. The emperor's works are indeed a marvel yet their failures are clear to see in the unending hellscape. Our galaxy has become flawed on so many levels. They demand improvement. They demand perfection with the correct resources. There are no limits to what can be achieved in this regard. And in this, I will not be denied. Hmm. Who could that be? I wonder. A homunculi Lord. You're half right. <laughs> <laughs> who, who could be getting a new model in an upcoming book called war of the spider? Vect. Mm. Oh yeah, Sorry. that would be awesome. <laughs> nope, Dark Elder already got a book. You don't get another one. So I know I'm just being a smartass. <laughs> Although, wait, maybe the squats are coming back to uh, line with the drow. We <laughs> reset the clock. <laughs> reset the game. That's not even the right world, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway. Uh, out of the fluff section and getting into, we, we again have a few uh, different missions, 
including a Forest Worlds Theater of War, which is, uh, let's see, you cannot, let's see, Thick Undergrowth, you cannot select an infantry or swarm unit as the target of a range attack unless it's within 12 inches of the firing unit or has advanced Ooh. in the previous movement phase or made a range attack in its previous shooting phase. So if they shoot at you, you can shoot back at them. But infant, like this is a very assault-friendly <laughs> setting. And they yeah. finally took Fieldcraft away from Cruz. Uh, uh, yeah. It's just disappointing. <laughs> Sorry. I, I will say I still enjoy seeing these. I'd never play them because I think the only time you'd play them is in a friendly game or a narrative game. Well, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what they're meant for. Oh, that's what they're meant for. And so it, one thing I wouldn't mind seeing, I mean – is just a compilation of all of these just friendly narrative things mm-hmm. in one book rather than having to try and buy every single book to get a few missions. Oh yeah. Like, you know, basically kind of redo the old battle missions book they had, but include all the mission, the crucible of war missions from this. Yeah. No, I think that I'd be very much down for that. They do have one that's kind of cool called uh, cleanse the hole, which is supposed to take place on the outside of a spaceship. Ooh. But uh, we're mostly here to talk about the, the additions and changes to Space Wolves and Orcs. So we'll start with Space Wolves, because they're first in the book. You know, we get all the, the updated Primera stuff. We get their new ability. So, okay, yes, they have They Shall Know No Fear. They have Bolter Discipline, Shock Assault, all the things that all the other Space Marines have. And, yes, Space Wolves do get combat doctrines. But they get the old combat doctrines until this gets errated. Yeah, that's going to happen <laughs> real. I, I have a feeling there's going to be Daisy zero errata on this. Like once, oh, yeah. like once the book's sure. shipped, because they know what changes they're going to make. Although I will think, I do think it's interesting. There's a strat that is not in here. I did not see the adaptive strategy strat, so they don't have to delete it from this book. True. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and. You know, other than having to switch out of Devastator turn one, having to and being able to stay in uh, in tactical either two one or two turns, you know that that's not in here, obviously. So they'll we'll need to update that. But otherwise, they do function the same. And so now we actually get into the data sheets, and then we'll get into the super doctor and such in a bit. So first off, the the big game for this army is now Ragnar Blackmane who is quite the beast in close combat. Yeah. The, I mean, he lost his little um, wolf friends. Yes. Uh, he lost his berserker stuff, but he gained bloodlust, which lets him like, or friendly space wolves within six inches and not within three inches of the enemy can move up to six inches instead of three when they um, consolidate. Yeah. They so want to get really into cool. fights faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that's new is the Berserker Rage, which is related to the Shock Assault, which lets him attack three times instead of one when he does a Shock Assault, which his attacks jumped up to seven. So on a Shock Assault, he's attacking ten times. Yeah, which is basically any time he charges, was charged, or heroically intervenes. So, and, <laughs> and those attacks are hitting on twos. He's re-rolling ones to hit. Uh, they are strength six, six AP minus four, two damage each. Oof. Yeah. He, uh, he, he's pretty powerful. Yeah. He, he will shred infantry units. He'll sh- even shred other Primaris units with, with a stat well, line I, like that. <laughs> I, Cause I was bored the other day because I was just surfing the internet. There was a bell souls article where they were talking about pimping him out with like optimal stratagems and optimal, litanies and things like that but they basically got him up to do i think 264 wounds 
max in one round of combat by basically like stacking a bunch of different stratagems that allow him because there's a there's things that allow him to like get extra hits on a four extra wounds on a six extra damage against certain things and it's just it was it was kind of fascinating to see how much they can cheese him out but how uh, many command points did that cost oh it it was a ton like it was like you had to spend like five or six command points you know just to make all this happen and it's that's also assuming that he hits with a six on every single attack and stuff like that but his damage output capacity is insane (laughs) yeah no he is he is absolutely must take if you are playing a space wolf list and with the changes in here like an assault focused space wolf list i've actually seen i think goonhammer was pushing a list that was like impulsor heavy primaris so basically kind of like an impulsor rush space wolf list mm-hmm. and with ragnar in here it's absolutely viable i mean he, he gives you all the all the good parts of a captain Plus, I mean, re- allowing you, space wolves within six inches of him to reroll charges, and, and that extra that six inch consolidate for units that aren't within three inches of an enemy already. I mean, that's just gold for for an assault See, army. Yeah, you need that. Right, and Rob, remember how we said Primaris's one thing they were lacking was assault. Yes, <laughs> they still lack assault, but the space wolves can be able to do it because the space wolves are all about assault. Yes, and, and blood angels are much the same way. And I think you know while they are not like. You know, while Blood Angels, their dedicated assault units are not Primaris, you can make, like, Primaris Intercessors and such work with that. And I think Space Wolves have very much that same capacity. We get all the Wolf Priests, although the named Wolf Priest Ulrich does not get an update in here. And I'm guessing that's because he has an old-ass model. Or no, yes, he got it. Or did he get a new? I thought he got a new model. A no, oh, yeah, Ulrich has a new, new-ish new model. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in plastic. It's plastic. It's not, yeah, but I mean, the biggest thing was they, they maybe Ulrich's just old and stuck in his ways, but the biggest change on all the wolf priests is they actually changed their ability that they just had an aura of is now a litany. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's been consistent with all the chaplains, so this right. is, it's pretty much the same thing, but uh, Ulrich did not get that update, which seems like an oversight. And yeah, okay, yeah. yeah Ulrich's just awesome. Yeah, and no, he is not a, he is a, he is a plastic model, so yeah, he did get updated a while back. Yeah, because he's got the uh, either the choice of the old man head or he can. Yeah, he's just the old man head wearing his or like carrying his wolf helm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got updated uh, Wrath of Magnus period when they like introduced the wolf and that's when they brought out the new model for him because that was the yeah. same time we got the the dueling iron iron priest stat line. Oh so, yeah, that's right. I do appreciate that on the first part of this, they do say all of these. Um, are the actual new data sheets that that you ha- should follow, not the old ones? Yeah, they've been much better about that, making sure that everyone knows like this is the updated version. This is what we are using now. Let's see. So yeah, inter- so yeah, they all their uh, premier stuff is pretty standard. No, nothing to really write home about there. It's just that they, they now have it all codified, so they have all the well, all the new units. Well, is Primaris battle leaders a thing in other codexes? Um, two, two, two. Uh, no, that is, I mean, okay. let's see the premier battle leader. I believe it's just the captain basically, isn't it? Uh, there it's, yeah. The premier's battle leader is the equivalent of the, uh, captain Phobos armor. Okay. Yeah. Is, and the captain and other chapters can be one squad that then you deploy and they become individual squads. 
Oh no, yeah, this is a little bit different. Yeah. 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 I'd have to yeah, I'd have to go back and compare, but I do think yeah, I do think they are a bit different. This is the first unit I've I recall that has like the company heroes rule that says Mm -hmm. during deployment every model in this unit must be set up at the same time, though they do not need to be set up in coherency. From that point onwards, each model is treated as a separate unit. Isn't that the the way the lieutenants work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, okay. The Premier's Battle Leaders, these, okay, no, I take it back. These are lieutenants because they have the reroll wound rolls of one. So this is the same as the Phobos lieutenants. The Wolf Lord is is the. They had the split up rule. Yeah. And then the Wolf Lord is the, in Phobos armor, is the captain in Phobos armor. But yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so Battle Leaders are their equivalent of lieutenants. And the, yes, the okay. lieutenants do work that way, where you can have two in a squad, but they separate when you deploy them. Fair enough. So, yeah. But this just makes sure that even though the naming is a bit different, they function the exact same way as other Primaris armies. So that's good. Sounds good. And like the, the greater possessed, I believe, also work that way when you deploy them. You deploy it as a unit, but they can split up, etc. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. And then going on, Space Wolves detachments gain the Defenders of Humanity ability and Hunters Unleashed. Uh, in addition, units Defenders of Humanity is just their uh, obsec. Uh, in addition, units from your army with the Combat Doctrine's ability gain the Savage Fury ability, so long as every unit in your army is a Space Wolves unit, with the exception of Unaligned. So Hunters Unleashed is the add one to hit rolls. Uh, when, and it is 100% the same as in the Space Wolf Codex, so I yes. have no idea why they reprinted that, but not the other one. Uh, just probably for consistency's sake, just so it's all in one place, although they then but reference Defenders. Yeah, because they don't have Defenders of Humanity in here, so that's Right, weird. and Defenders of Humanity and Hunters Unleashed are on the same page, so they could have just put them... <laughs> that was just my little gripe on this page. <laughs> but then Savage Fury is new. That is new. So, uh, Savage Fury is when the Assault Doctrine act- is active, if an unmodified hit roll of six is made for an attack made by a melee weapon by a unit with this ability, the attack scores one additional hit on the target. So, so, cool. so, with Ragnar's ten attacks, you know, on the charge or when he was charged, on average, you're probably actually going to be getting, like, ten to twelve hits. Yeah. Unless you roll all sixes, then you can get 20. <laughs> you could, but yeah, it's like he has the potential to do even more. And then, uh, let's see, Vanguard Warlord traits, they're the exact same ones that everyone else has. No big deal. I'm sad that they didn't reprint the Space Wolf regular Warlord traits in here because they got eroded a while back, you know, right after the book came <laughs> that, out. <laughs> that would be nice since we have the the non-good version of the Codex. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so moving on to stratagems. A lot of these are the same stratagems that you see in other Space Marine books, and most of these we will skip, but there's a couple of them that are worth uh, mentioning. I'll point this out, which I'm finding hilarious about all this, is this whole section here, as you just said, was a lot of these were in the other Space Marine books. None of them were in the um, Space Wolf book, so it just really feels like this is the Space Marining of the Space Wolves. Well, and again, it's the concept of getting them functionally consistent. The same. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just but humorous. But getting to some of the uh some of the newer ones, Knowledge of the Foe is a zero command point stratagem, which I think is one of the first times we've seen that. A zero command point stratagem use the stratagem in the fight phase when an enemy character is destroyed by an attack made by a Space Wolves model in your army, you receive a command point. Okay. 
Which, I mean, it's just interesting that, like, it's... Because we've seen some where it's, like, you spend one to get two. Because I think NIDs have one where it's, like, you spend one, but you immediately get, like, D3 back or something. Yeah, it's it's if uh, Lictor or uh, Gene Stealers kill a character, mm-hmm. then then you spend one and then you get a D3 back. Right. And so this one, you spend zero to get one back. But you still... But you have to have access to stratagems to do it, and you have to have a Space Wolf model in your army, but... And you have to kill a character with And you them. have to kill a character, so it's just, it's a different way of doing the same thing. In the fight but, phase, even. In the fight phase, yeah. Because the, the <laughs> flavor text is, many Space Wolves make full use of their omophagia, which if you don't know Space Wolf, <laughs> or if you don't know Space Marine lore, that's the, the little gland in your body that lets you eat someone's brain and learn about them. <laughs> so we know that Space Space wolves, much like zombies, like to eat brains. Um, let's see. Crushing assault. Uh, use the strat in your charge phase. When a Thunderwolf cavalry unit from your army finishes a charge move, for each model in that unit, you can select one enemy unit within an inch of that model and roll a d6. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Yeah, there's lots of cool stuff with Thunderwolf Cav in this one. Yeah, and that's that could be a very quick way, depending on how big your Thunderwolf you know how big your thunderwolf unit is and how many of them you can get within an inch i mean it's a good way to dole out two or three mortal wounds that's well, not a bad thing true and the next page of the death grip bite is also oh thunderwolf death grip bite is so good we'll get there in a second uh okay. um touch of the wild here's another one that ragnar will just love use the stratagem in the fight phase select one of your sp- Select one Space Wolves character model in your army until the end of that phase. When resolving an attack made by that model, an unmodified hit roll of four plus scores one additional hit. Note, yeah, that's really solid. Note that this does not replace Savage Fury, meaning yes. it stacks. <laughs> so if you roll a yeah. six, you just generated two extra hits. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be eroded. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it will. I don't know. <laughs> it. I mean, that's... it. I'm I'm not going I'm not going to say giving an assault army a few extra hits is gonna necessarily break things. I, it won't. It just Yeah. And and the thing for me, since they specifically said that it does stack, like that like no, this specifically well, doesn't they, replace the other one, I, yeah. I think it's gonna stay. <laughs> yeah. And I I think they would have known that these two abilities do stack. You know, because I think if they had said you know, when Savage Fury triggers. Also, this works even if you're in, like... Because Savage Fury only counter... Or no, it's... When, and okay, I take it back. Savage Fury is not only when you chart... When you're under, like, Shock Assault. It's all the time. But... <laughs> but the other thing is, Touch of the Wild, you could use turn two. Savage Fury, you can't get to until turn until three. Until turn three, yeah. Yeah. So if you get stuck in assault early, you could do it. But it is also only on characters. If it, if you could use it on any Space Wolf unit, yeah, that would be a problem. But since it's only on a character, and in match play you can only use it once per phase, I think it's got enough restrictions on it that it's not going to be too overpowered. Let's see, Pack Hunters. Uh, use a strat in the fight phase when a Fenrisian Wolves or Cyberwolves unit from your army is chosen to fight with. Until the end of the phase when resolving an attack made... By a model in that unit, if the unit's within three inches of a friendly Space Wolves infantry unit or Space Wolves cavalry unit, you can reroll the hit roll. You will be a good doggo. Let's see. Stormstrike, that's the Stormfang gunship, which uh, just uh, lets you add one to hit wound and damage rolls using your Hellfrost Destructor, which is not terrible. Yeah. Good if you're taking it. Yeah. 
Uh, they do get access to transhuman physiology, which is a really good one for this army, especially when you have like Wolfen and such. Being able to, you know, that you have a few units that don't have great armor, being able to make it so that they are just harder to wound is very good. Um, they are going to have to errata duty eternal because that no longer has damage or it shouldn't. <laughs> And then, oh, and also on that Touch of the Wild, I've also seen it brought up that that makes Murder Fang horrifying. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he is a Space Wolf character. Oh. Bjorn yeah. and Murder Fang get scary as hell with that. They Which they were. should be. Yes, they absolutely should be. And then finally, yeah, Death, Gri- Death Grip Bite, which Dennis mentioned. Uh, use this stratagem in the fight phase when a Thunderwolf cavalry unit from your army is chosen to fight with. Until the end of that phase, crushing teeth and claws weapons models in that unit are equipped with have a damage characteristic of two. <laughs> so you can just crank out a lot of damage with that. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Obscuration dis- Discipline, same as we see in all the other Space Marine books. Litanies of Battle, these are mostly the same. Uh, but Space Wolves do have their special one. If this litany is inspiring, that it's the Tales of the Wolf King and the Lord of the Deeps. If this litany is inspiring, select one friendly Space Wolves unit within six inches of this model. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model in that unit against a monster or vehicle unit, add one to the damage characteristic of that weapon for that attack. So, for example, if Ragnar is inspired... By this, and he is facing down a monster, he is doing three damage per swing. Or a knight. Or a knight. I mean, he could theoretically cripple or kill a knight in one turn. Theoretically. I mean, it's good. So let's say, so let's see here. You've got 10 attacks. Uh, You're doing, you're going to get at least two sixes. So you're doing, you're rerolling once. You're probably doing 12 hits. Now, and he is going doing... to be wounding on fives against a knight, because he is only strength six. Sure, sure. But, uh, I mean, let's let's say that he even rolls... I mean, and at that point, you're doing three damage per... How many wounds does a knight have? 24. You, you need eight wounds yeah, to take it down. Yeah, you need, you need eight. So, yeah, I mean, it's statistically unlikely, but, I mean, you could do a lot of damage with one guy. <laughs> right. Well, and if you drop the... Uh, if you drop Touch of the Wild half of his attacks are going to explode, and then you've actually got a real possibility to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's... Mantra of Strength will also work if this litany is inspiring. Add one to this model's attacks and strength characteristics, and add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons this model is equipped with. (laughs) (laughs) But that only affects the... uh, That that doesn't affect models within six inches. That only affects the uh, wolf priests themselves, unfortunately. Still... But no, there's some fun, cool melee stuff in here, which I like. Yeah. And then we get into, there's a whole bunch of new relics, uh, some of which are for, like, other, like, weaker stuff, like the adamantine mantle or digital weapons. And there's a strat that lets you put, uh, you know, you've always got strats to put extra relics on people. So it's just, you know, ways to stack that. Since you don't really have successor chapters as Space Wolves, so you can't just like, these are the cheapy relics that the successors get. Uh, but uh, let's say you build out a wolf lord uh, get, who has a power axe, which lots of space wolves do. How about worm splitter? Uh, it replaces a power axe, has the following profile, plus one strength, minus two AP, two damage. When resolving an attack made with this weapon against a monster or vehicle, this weapon has a damage characteristic of four for that attack. That'll get some work done. Hey, they brought back the wolf tail talisman, too. And it's pretty good. Yeah. 
Psychic test is taken for an enemy model within 18 inches of a model from your army with its relic. Subtract two from the result. Yeah. Yeah, that that will make a big impact. Let's see. Points values. I haven't looked at the points values to compare them to... Uh, I haven't looked at the points values to compare them to the, uh, the most recent chapter approved, but I do like that they put all the points values in here for for this. So I think just because there are enough new units that they're adding and probably make sure that all the old ones have been are, are updated since it's been a while since the Space Wolf Codex came out, probably good to have it all collected in one place. And I know they've done that with, like they did that with Blood Angels and I believe they did it with Dark Angels as well. Question is, did they actually put Ragnar in here named characters? Yes, Ragnar Blackman yeah, is in here. Yay. Like, what, 140? <laughs> 120. 120. Oh, well, it used to be 141, so... Yeah, 120 for Ragnar Mane for updated Ragnar Blackmane. He, that's another reason why he is a very solid pick. He He's kind of mid-range, like, he's a little bit cheaper than Logan, and he's five points cheaper than Murderfang. However, Bjorn the Fell-Handed, not listed as a named character. He's listed under HQs, but Murderfang is listed as a named character. So, IDK lol. <laughs> And then let's switch over to orcs. Yay! It's Richard's time. <laughs> uh, so orcs got a couple of updated. You know, obviously there's new Gazgol, new Makari. They updated the data sheet for a big mech with a custom force field, which and- is interesting because that is not actually a data sheet that's in the codex. So basically, it's one that they forgot and decided to put back in. Well. <laughs> Kind of. I went and I looked on on Games Workshop site, and it's one of those models that they haven't updated, and they're not currently selling anymore because it was a metal slash minecast model. Interesting. So I I wonder if this isn't if they aren't going to be releasing a a new Big Mac mod, model. That seems very likely if they, because they don't usually put in rules for old models anymore unless they have plans for it. Right. That'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, so there'll be new strats, rules for specialist mobs, which I find kind of interesting, uh, custom jobs for vehicles, clan psychic powers. But let's let's talk about the literally the two ton gorilla in the room, Gazgol Thraka. Yeah. So we you already seen it's two tons. Probably more I mean, than he looks that. like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, at 285 points, as we mentioned, Gazgol is an absolute monstrosity. And so let's go over this stat line. First off, his movement does degrade as he takes damage by an inch each level. His strength goes down one each level. He goes from strength seven to six to five. However, his number of attacks goes up from five to six to seven. So the more damage he takes, just the angrier he gets. I love that yep. mechanic. That's so great. Yeah. And, and, and his, his slowest movement it is what he used to move at five inches. <laughs> like that used to be his maximum movement. So he's faster, he's meaner, he's nastier. Also, dropping to strength five, not a problem because his melee weapon is still strength times two. Yep. <laughs> so he's still wounding damn near everything on at on threes mo- and lots of twos. Yeah, weapon skill two up, ballistic skill five up because orcs. Uh, seven toughness, 12 wounds, two up armor, 
Uh, and like I said, tax go five, six, seven. Uh, he is equipped with Mork's Roar, which is an Assault 12 Heavy Shooter. He has Gork's Claw, which is a Strength times 2, AP minus 4, 4 damage Power Claw, with no minus 1 to hit on it. Yeah, that's... It, it was... His custom Claw before was AP minus 3, 3 damage. So he just got up one each on AP and damage. Yeah. He obviously has Here We Go, Mob Rule, Daka Daka Daka, uh, Great Wah, Friendly Orc Infantry Units, which means it does not affect him, uh, within six inches of this model can be chosen to charge with even if they advance this turn. In addition, add one to the attack's characteristics of models in Friendly Orc Infantry Units whilst their unit is within six inches of this model if their unit made a charge move this turn. And I believe the difference there is it does not clan- limit by clan. It is mm-hmm. all orc models. Yes. <laughs> so you could have yeah. like a goth it's... supreme command detachment, and then throw in whatever you want. Right. No. It, his. His. Uh, I mean, that is actually the way his uh, great wall was worded before. He was not limited to uh, just buffing goth characters mm-hmm. or goth units. But was he considered infantry before, though, or has he always been? He, he, he was considered infantry before. Yes. So, so, so it's... It, yeah, it, it, it no longer affects himself, which is a little frustrating. But, oh well. I think he makes up for it in other areas. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If, if, he, if he allowed himself to advance in charge... Ugh. <laughs> That would be so, that'd be so terrifying. Um, I mean, he's already he's already got seven inches of movement, so yeah, he's eh, effectively got it, an advance built in. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think Debasa is watching is pretty much the same. Prophet of Gork and Mork. Yeah, this yeah, model. This, <laughs> yeah. this is where it gets stupid. <laughs> yeah, this model has a four up and vulnerable save. Okay, that that's pretty that's good. The same as was as it was before. In addition, this model can only lose a maximum of four wounds in each phase. <laughs> that that just means that you you only shoot one las cannon at him, and not all of them. You say, right? You you shoot the last all your las cannons at something else, and you can yeah. smite him like four times in the psychic phase. Yep. Until you roll, like, two damage, and then you'll do two more damage, and then you can't do any more. Then you can cast other spells. It, yeah. It, I like it. I like it to make him much more survivable, because he is going to stay on the table for... Yeah, on most cases, he's, gonna, he's not going to get blown off the table turn one. I don't... Well, I'm afraid that they're going to start applying this rule to other models as well, and that's where I'm going to get concerned. <laughs> Now, this this rule, while it's not really common, I think this is the first time we've seen a rule like this in 40k, and there may be an obscure Forge World unit that I, I'm not aware of, but this is actually not that different from the rule that Marathi has in Age of Sigmar, where she has a, a hard cap in like her initial form on how many wounds she can take each turn. And it is because mm-hmm. she's kind of a, a signature character for the army and she has like a special magic artifact that 
keeps her from dying. So it's like, yeah, you can't ma- you can't one shot her in one turn. And Gasgol, it's not likely that you're going. I mean, it is theoretically possible with that if you get psychic shooting and melee against him, you could theoretically kill him in one turn, but it won't be turn one. It absolutely right. won't be and, turn one. And as you noted it, he's as strong as like almost a knight. And there are a lot of armies that alpha strike a knight off the table on turn one. Yeah. Yeah. And that would just be a feels bad. To, here's, here's my named character for my big army. And, oh, well, he's, he's gone. And him no longer being uh, infantry and having so many wounds. He doesn't have like, you know, character protection. True. I just, anymore. I, my concern is that at some point they're going to go back and be like, well, we gave this to, to Gazgul, so we should give something like this to Gilliman or to the Lion or, you know, other Primarchs. And I'm like, eh. Well, I, his sidekick also has a rule they said they would never do, too. So, well, yeah. And I, I just, don't think that'll become a norm either. I just want them to be judicious in how they use it. Uh, that's that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous precedent is basically yeah. the thing. It's like uh, G- GW has not shown the rules restraint in the past to not overuse this. <laughs> But they at least, I think if they notice that it's a problem, they I could see them walking it back a bit. Sure. But I, I think it's funny that, you know, and as they demonstrated on their site, it's like the big matchup that they're kind of building towards is the rematch between Ragnar, Blackmane, and Gazgul. Ragnar does not stand a chance. Because right? he literally can't kill him in one turn of combat. There's no way. But, but he's Primaris now. Doesn't matter. Gazgul will gut him like a fish. And at most, he will annoy Gazgol. He won't even do enough damage to him in the fight phase to move him into his next band. And there are ways to like heal him with strats, so he's he's not good. Um, and then we get to Makari, his bat, his uh, banner wielder, uh, who or his banner bearer, who has yes returned from from being sat upon in second edition. Yeah, I I do like actually earlier in the book in in like kind of more the fluff part, they they talk about how um, Makari is it it is more now like a title rather than because it's not actually the same grot right. It's just whoever happens whoever he happens to have waving his banner is Makari right. <laughs> so Makari is a is also an HQ, which means you can take Gazgul and Makari as as your two HQs in a battalion, or they'll fill up two spots in a Supreme Command detachment. Um, and for a Grot, I mean, he's got passable stats, four-up weapon skill, which uh, a four-up weapon skill for a Grot's really good. Uh, yeah. Four wounds, and a two-up invulnerable save. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which he had that back in second edition, too. Yep. Yes, he did. Suspiciously lucky. Yes. Uh, I I dig him. He's cool. He's um, cool. There, there is actually one other thing that they added to Gasgol that uh, I think is important to note. Because before, he he's always had the golf keyword. Uh-huh. But Grand Warboss now gives you the ability to throw him into other clan armies without screwing up the their clan culture right okay, but that's he, good but he won't get a culture unless he's in a goth detachment 
Right, which Correct. is kind of like the Phoenix Lords are, except they don't have a. It, it, he works the same way Shadow, the new Shadow Sun does. Okay, where yeah. she doesn't prevent you from getting a Sept Tenant, but you don't. She doesn't get the benefit of one unless she's in a Tau detachment, and the Tau what? detachment one is the Overwatch on fives. It's like ooh, that's the one of the best ones, and for <laughs> Goffs, it's the what your your melee attacks explode on sixes. Uh, it is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a really good one for him too. So. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, he, he, you're you're primarily going to be using him in a golf detachment, but right. But as I said, you could put him in a supreme command detachment and him in like one other, like him, Makari, and one other HQ, and you're golden. And that could be a grafted, and then he would get it and still be able to provide all his bonuses to everybody else around him. Yes. Yeah. And then Makari's has the ability of uh, when the model is in a friend, when, when a model in a friendly Goff orc unit within six inches of this model would lose a wound. And this model is within three inches of a friendly Gazgol Thraka unit. Roll a D six on a six up. That wound is not lost, which is basically gives Gat is there to give Gazgol six up, feel no pain. Because that's what he needed. Yep. Uh, I, I will also say that since it's not specifically saying that it has to be Gasgol, if you've got Gasgol there and, like, say you've also happened to have, like, a Morkinot or, you know. Yeah, it just has to be a, just has like, to be a Goff unit within six inches of him. And he yep. is within three. Yeah. So, yeah, he's very. Yeah, he'll keep anything alive if it's near Gasgol. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's not limited to infantry, especially since Gasgol's not infantry anymore. Yep. So, like, it's it's a really good, you know, feel no pain like kind of bubble that you can take advantage of. And Makari is small enough to be untargetable if something closer, like a Gasgol, <laughs> is yes. there. And then uh, keep up at the start of your movement phase. If this model is within three inches of a friendly Gazgol Thraka unit, add two inches to the model's move characteristic until the end of that phase, which then happens to get his movement up to seven and he can keep up with Gazgol, hence the name of the rule. Yep. And he's actually got a pretty nasty close combat weapon, too. Yeah, it's... I mean, you're you'll have that that tough time of of actually making wound rolls in general with the with the strength of 3 but four attacks and no ap one damage but if you're also a, a 6 plus he inflicts a d3 mortal wounds on the target and the attack sequence right ends. which means they so. don't get to save against the they don't take the one but they also don't get to don't have to save against the one but they just take d3 mortal wounds that's a fair trade yeah. <laughs> and then we move over to the big mech with custom force field, which is basically what you'd expect. It is a big mech with a custom force field and no other options. Yep. yep. That's pretty standard. Yeah. Although I will I will also say um Gazgol's Great Wall will add one to Makari's attacks. Ooh. Uh, oh yeah. yes, yes it will. Because he is an orc infantry unit. And Makari will reroll ones because uh, he is within six inches. If he is within six inches of Gasgol, because Goffs is the best. Yep. And so yeah, Makari benefits from all the same things that uh, other Goff boys would benefit from. 
All right, moving on to orc stratagems. Uh, so uh, we'll start off the top. Custom job. Uh, this lets you add a custom job to your army uh, without having to necessarily take another unit. We'll talk about that in a bit when we get to that segment. Then next is the cleverest boss, which uh, it, fun strat. Um, use this stratagem before the battle. Select one big mech model in your army. Add one to that model's wounds and attacks characteristics and change its weapon skill to two plus. You can only use this stratagem once per battle and only if your army does not include Mech Boss Buzzgob, which I believe is a Forge World unit. Yes, yes, he is. Um, and I, I really like this. I think this is cool. Um, there's also the one for the War Boss version, uh, the biggest boss, which is basically the same. And it gets you a, a war boss with an extra wound and attack and a four plus invulnerable save, but only if you don't have Gasco in your army. Okay, but uh, basically, kind of a way to that, like the equivalent of a chapter master te- strategy. Yeah. Well, and that's cool because you may, you know, it's that like I want to make an orc mob. I want to have a big war boss or a big mech, a big big mech. But I don't want to actually use a named character because, like, I want to, I want to benefit from my my clan's culture. So, like, I want to do, uh, you know, I want to do evil sons, but I don't want to. But Gasgold doesn't really fit where I'm going with this. I can make an evil sons war boss, or I can make a death skulls war boss who's big and nasty and has some of the benefits that Gasgold has, like the four up invuln. Right. All right. Next up, uh, Grot Bumper. Use this stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase when an attack made with a ranged weapon successfully wounds a boom Daka Snaz wagon model in your army. The saving ro- throw is automatically passed. Do not roll. Each unit can only benefit from the strat once per battle. And you just read the stratagem just because you wanted to say boom Daka Snaz wagon. Why wouldn't I want to say boom Daka Snaz wagon? <laughs> But I love the idea of just like you just throw a grot in the way and just I just pass the save. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like there. There's a lot of these that these new ones that are just uh, interesting little things to to add to like the the new orc buggies to give them a little more hopeful flavor that they didn't necessarily have before with their rules. Yeah, you kind of get the feeling that a, a number of these strats in here, because there's not as many strats as, like, the Space Wolves have, and then, of course, the Space Wolves, it was mostly just bringing them up to par with the other Space Marines. A lot of the strats in here feel like they didn't quite make, like, they didn't quite make the cut in the Codex, because, like, all these units were there, but they definitely, like, they definitely make those units more viable, give you more options, just make them a bit more fun to play. Yeah. Let's see. Temperamental shock drive. Use the stratagem in your shooting phase. After shooting with a shock jump drags to unit from your army, that unit immediately advances and the result is a four up. Do not roll. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, it's super fluffy. I don't know how super great that's going to be, but like, I guess extra movement's always good. Yeah. So. Uh Clever Spanner. Now, this one is worded in a weird way, and I'm thinking it's worded that way because of how mob-up works. Uh, but Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. Use this stratagem before the battle. It's one CP. 
Uh, select a loot one Luda's or Burno Boys unit from your army that contains nine or less models for one CP, or one Luda's or Burno Boys unit from your army that contains ten or more models for two CP. And strangely enough, this strat does not do like the one slash two CP. It just just yeah, I I wondered about that. So I don't I don't know if that's maybe just a a a matter of they kind of played around with it and then like kind of later in testing they were like well this is almost too good if you're if you've got a bigger unit so we should probably bump that up for the larger size units and and then it just didn't get quite changed in the layout for the little corner cost yeah Anyway, continuing on. Uh, whilst that unit contains one or more spanners, and that's where I think the mob up works. Like that, once the unit is considered a spanner, it's always a spanner. All the models from that unit are considered spanners, even if they join another unit. Uh, whilst that unit contain, but it only has to be another unit would have to like mob in with it, I guess, because it's while that unit is has one or more spanners. Anyway, uh, you can roll one additional die and discard one when determining the number of shots for burnas or death guns equipped on models in that unit. Each unit can only be selected for this stratagem once per battle. So it's a cool ability, but it's just worded very strangely. I mean, the the spanner is is a is a separate stat line. It's a different model type. Oh, okay, okay. That's the piece I wasn't aware of. It, it 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 basically it gives you a reason really to because the the spanner is like the just the regular little mech boy that you can put into those units and aside from having like the option to or having a, like a custom mega blaster which is kind of your plasma gun equivalent uh-huh okay yeah they're, I see, they're really I see it. They're, there really isn't a point in that that doesn't exactly fit in with, you know, just having a big unit of, of Ludas or Burnos, right? Uh-huh. But they've kind of always been there as an option to to take. And and this is this this stratagem gives you actually a really good reason to take a spanner. Okay. In the unit. Because they they've kind of been i i feel like they've kind of been out of place for a while like about the the only real good reason to to take them had been the fact that they could repair vehicles because they were little mechs and you could you know throw those units into a vehicle and, and he could like repair the vehicle but most of the time like lutas you're just camping them on a point they're not near anything and they're not going to get any benefit and you want as many death guns as you want it right exactly so okay no that makes way more sense then i had i had that's yeah. like i had forgotten that they that was even a thing you could take in <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of it's one of those old it it's one of the few like kind of mixed model units that even really almost exists in the game anymore, seems like. Yeah. 
Let's see. Deburnin Highway. Use a stratagem in your shooting phase when a custom Boostablasta unit from your army is chosen to shoot with. Until the end, until the start of your next turn, change the characteristics of that unit's Burna exhausts as follows. Range 10 inches, Assault 3, Strength 5, AP minus 1. So basically it turns them into Assault 3 Heavy Flamers. Yep. Nice. Uh, and then the return of Flying Edbutt. <laughs> Use the stratagem at the end of your movement phase. Select one orc unit from your army that has the flyer battlefield roll. That model is reduced to zero wounds and automatically crashes and burns. Do not roll. Which, their crashes and burns... Yeah, that's basically their doing doing mortal wounds to everything around them. So, Yep. Let's see... Full speed, lads. Use a strat in your charge phase after charging with an orc biker or death killer war trike unit from your army until the end of the battle. Until the end of the turn. Woof, end of the battle. That would have been crazy. Until the end of the turn, <laughs> add one to that unit strength characteristic. Yeah, I, that's pretty nice. I, I do like that that does help out war bikers or, or knob bikers. Like either of them can take advantage of that and mix. And. Like the Death Killer War Trike actually doesn't have like the the really actually the strongest uh, they're they're only strength five, which on the orc end of spectrum that's kind of low actually. So them getting an extra strength would be good. Yeah. Let's see. Squig bombs add. Uh, it's for Blitz of bombers. Add one to rolls made for the model's boom bomb ability. Yeah. Uh, special. Yep. Special shells for two CP. This is one of the only two CP ones we have in here. Uh, use the strat in your shooting phase when a flash gets unit from your army is chosen to shoot with until the end of the phase. Increase the range of snaz gun models in that unit are equipped with by twelve inches. Thirty six inch range snaz guns. Pretty nice. Yeah, I'll, that's pretty I'll pay, good. I'll pay. I'll pay two CP for that. Uh, patch up. Use the strat at the start of any turn. Select one Morkonaut, Gorkonaut, or Stomp a unit from your army until the end of the turn. That model is considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining what row to use on its damage table. Oof. <laughs> that, that is really solid. Yep. Uh, th- then next one, 2CP for unstoppable momentum. Use the stratagem in your charge phase. When an orc unit from your army has finished a charge move and dealt one or more mortal wounds to an enemy unit, if that orc unit is no longer within one inch, one inch of an enemy unit, it can immediately be chosen to charge with again. That's pretty nice. Uh, I mean, I don't... I don't recall how many things we have that do mortal wounds in close combat. Well, but it ha- you use it in the charge phase, so it would have to be... You'd have to do the mortal wounds in the charge phase. Right. Oh, uh, this must be... Okay, custom boom blasters have spiked ram that each time this model finishes a charge move, select an enemy unit with one inches, roll a d6 on a 4+, plus. that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. Okay. Megatrack scrap jets have... Have a spiked ram. Ha- have spiked ram also. So so basically, it's just the uh, Megatrack scrap jet or the custom boostablasta. So the yeah. idea basically being... You charge in, and if the mortal wounds you did do on a four up manage to kill the thing, you can charge again for two CP. Yep. 
limited use, but a kind of a nice to have in your back pocket, I suppose. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, wildfire, use the strat in your movement phase after selecting an enemy unit for the burn bombs ability of a burn bomber unit from your army. Select one other enemy unit within six inches of the unit you selected. Roll a d6 for each model in the addition in that additional unit up to a maximum of ten dice. For each roll of five up, that unit suffers a mortal. So basically it gives you splash damage on your bomb. Yep. Uh, dreaded death machine. Uh, one CP is strat in the fight phase when a death dreads unit from your army is chosen to fight with. Until the end of the phase, each time an enemy model is destroyed as a result of an attack made by that unit, you can immediately make an additional attack against the same target using the same weapon. So your kills ex- explode into new attacks. Cool. Yep. Like it? Yeah. And then finally, hit them harder. Uh, one CP, use this strat in the fight phase when a Mega Knobs unit from your army is chosen to fight with. Until the end of that phase, add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons models in that unit are equipped with. Which Mega Knobs are going to be... Two or a D3 damage for... Yeah, because either kill slaws or power claws, so... Yep. Yeah. I mean, they'll definitely get work done. Yep. And then we get into specialist mobs, which is kind of like building your own clan, but kind of not. It's not, it's not really that flexible as, as some of those, some of the other like kind of custom build your own sort of, cause like for it to really be effective again, you have to just, it has to be like a whole detachment. So these are basically just alternate clan, cultures yeah they're just yeah it's like you because you're giving up your normal clan culture to take it but it's only going to affect in in many cases it only affects certain units right so like they'll these will be good for like those little kind of auxiliary i think detachments that you take like you want to do like an outrider detachment that that just has like fast attack stuff in it or, you know, it, you, you're going to like theme your, your detachments and this way you get like a different benefit aside from a clan culture. Yeah. But you also give up like any acts, like you no longer interact with those clans as far as like clan specific abilities. You don't get their strats anymore. You're giving up. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one's kind of weirdly limited. I feel like. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It, it's gonna involve like kind of having to really build your army in in specific ways to like actually make these effective. I think. Yeah, I think where you're gonna see these really take flight is in uh like narrative narrative play or friendly yeah. play because i mean that's really what what they lend themselves to because they're they are so focused like I, i'm not going to go through all of them but like for example the first one they have pyromaniacs which is the arsonists uh, ability like you can re-roll any and all of the dice when determining the number of shots made for burners scorches burner bottles burner exhausts killer jets and scorcher missiles equipped on models in a unit with a subculture 
when resolving an attack made by with the melee profile of a burner equipped on the a model of the subculture, you can reroll the wound roll. And when resu- resolving the burner bomb's ability for this unit with a subculture, add one to each roll. So if you decide thematically, it's like I want to go all in on on all my burner and flame weapons. You take arsonists because it's going to be the best one for you, better than most of the other cultures. It, it's not something you're necessarily going to want to do. F- like you're not just going to take a, most likely like an arsonist battalion because you're not going to have enough weapons to benefit from it. Right. Yeah. It's and they're all kind of you know they're all very very specific and focused. Uh, there's hunters, boom boys, fly boys, grot mobs, tin eds. Now tin eds I could actually see taking as kind of the alternative to doing like the specialist detachment from Vigilus. Yeah. Because that one's kill. Killicans, Death Dreads, Mega Armor, Morkonauts, Gorkonauts, and Stompas only when resolving an attack made by a melee weapon by a model in this unit with a subculture, add one to the hit roll. That's really good for that. Yeah. And then Feral Orcs and Mad Boys. Which Mad Boys gives you a random ability each yeah, round. That's, yeah, that's thematic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a again, all these are thematic. They're very they're very specific. But, uh, like, like I, I actually kind of like, and, and I know some people like using their grots, the, the grot, the grot mobs ones actually kind of neat. Cause it just gives them all, all, uh, a model with this subculture gains a six plus invulnerable save. Uh, well, all the Gretchen anyway. So just use a, a whole bunch of Gretchen and vehicles. And so like vehicles, uh, with that subculture, also re-roll hit rolls of one. So, well, it's actually kind of funny because I know on the uh, community site it was really a joke, but they put together like a Gretchen army list, yeah. which was like <laughs> something like four hundred models or something insane. Yeah, it was. Uh, what was it? It was. It was how many units? It was like. 12 units of grots or something yeah. stupid like that. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Cause it's, I found it. It's, wall it something really fun. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Wall, wall, yeah. Yeah. So using the <laughs> grot mobs subculture, uh, the troops choice, uh, 11 units of 30 Gretchen each, <laughs> uh, three kilocans, three met gun, uh, uh, three kilocans with Gratzuka and bug saw, uh, three meg and then two units of three mech guns with custom mega cannons, which are also Gretchen units, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a bit, then three big mechs with shock attack guns, and then bringing in from f- a Forge World three units of four Grot tanks. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, gr- then three Grot oilers with mech, which I'm sure they technically come with a mech. But we all know who the real star of the show is here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's a brigade detachment for uh, it's 99 power, which is going to bring it roughly into about like 1750, 1800 points, 15 command points and 384 grots. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually got a, some decent shooting and a little bit of decent. It, it's got decent shooting and just so many bodies to chew through. <laughs> You're you're gonna yeah. time out on the chess clock though. I'm pretty. Oh, sure. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You you might time out before you finish deploying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what movement trays were made for. 
<laughs> yes. So, so yeah, this is, it, it, again, not a serious army, but a viable one with this. So, yeah. again, narratively, fun play, this is, this is totally what this kind of thing is made for. Yeah. All right, then we get to custom jobs, which uh, there was a strat for earlier. Um, if your army includes one or more mech boy workshop units, which is specifically the fortification that you can take. Uh, you can give one of the following custom jobs to an orc unit from your army. In addition, you can take the custom jobs by using the custom job stratagem. So you can either take the fortification and get one of these for free, or you can take the strat and add one this way. And they're all just upgrades. They're basically relics for vehicles. They don't replace. It's not in place of taking a relic or a warlord trait. It's just an extra add-on you can give to... uh, an orc vehicle and it's not just the buggies because they have some for battle wagons. They have some for Killicans and Morkonauts like Orchimatic pistons for Killicans, Death Dreads, Morkonaut or Gorkonaut add three inches to the unit's move characteristic. You can reroll advance rolls made for the unit or sparkly bits to improve their ballistic skill by one or um, the, the, the red roller. It's for a bone breaker model only. It replaces the model's bone breaker ram ability with the following Red Roller. When this model makes a charge move, add six to its attacks characteristics at the end of the turn. Uh, so it's just it's turn. just a maxed out bone breaker ram. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah, and it's just it. It just updates like that. You know, just just giving like being able to uh, or like the fortress. Battle wagon, bone breaker, or gun wagon model only. The model has a save characteristic. Have that. The model has a save characteristic of three up and a five up invulnerable save. Yay! Yeah, it's just a, a bunch of just little relics and upgrades like that that uh, make particular things like maybe it makes their buggies better. Oh, let's see, like squig hide tires. This one's a good generic one. Speed freaks, which is basically all the buggies, excluding named characters and units that can fly. Battle wagon, gun wagon, bone breaker, or truck unit only. Add two inches to the unit's move characteristic. Which, I mean, that's nice. like if you can't think of anything else to add, just make something faster. But yeah, there's just, uh, or <laughs> the gog claw. A Gorkonaut or Morkonaut only when rolling to determine the damage characteristic of the crush, crush profile of the bear's claw of Gork or possibly Mork. Rolls of less than four count as four. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> or uh, the Blitz of Gatler for a Stompa. The model Super Gatla has a damage characteristic of two. In addition, when rolling for the weapon Psycho Daka Blast ability, you can reroll the D6 once per phase. Yay. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So it just, again, just lots of cool little upgrades for whatever you feel like wanting to play. Uh, they've got that in here. And then finally... Uh, clan psychic powers, which, uh, like, goths get a psychic power that, uh, makes their charge, charge distances minimum seven. Yeah. That's, that's super great. Yeah. Bad moons get one that increases their saving throws, not counting invulnerables. Uh, snake bites get a warp power that halves a unit's, a, a number of attacks. That'll put that'll shut Ragnar up. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it just again, kind of like the way you saw what with Gene Steeler Colts got, or no, it was Tyranids got psychic powers, like like fleet, like yeah, bio, yeah, bio fleet specific powers. So again, just things to add a bit more flavor. I I think the the big money forks though definitely comes out of Gasgol in this book. If nothing oh, yes. else, Gasgol Gasgol is more than enough to make make. Uh, make the orcs very powerful. So, wh- I mean, feelings about Saga of the Beast. I know, uh, obviously, you know, orc players get a lot to play with, although, as we just said, one thing in particular. Space Wolves, how do you feel about them, Dennis? I mean, it is a good upgrade, but I kind of like how I mentioned before. It just feels like they made Space Wolves come in line with the rest of the Space Marines. Mm-hmm. I did not feel this was gave them really anything new or unique or space wolfy, but I mean the upgrades are nice, and now you can maybe see some Primaris using space wolf tactics. And the whole thing with the the Phobos armor seemed to be just build a space wolf army based off that. So in a way, it's almost like they gave you here's a sub chapter of the space wolves. Play it this style. But I think the rest of the Space Wolf Codex, like I mentioned before, Terminators, Long Fangs, Wolfen, Thunderwolf Cavalry, might have got a stratagem or two, and that's about it. I think that's fair. I, I think those units, the, the Long Fangs, I think, do suffer a bit, but uh, I think Thunderwolves and Wolfen definitely benefit from some of the strats in here. And I think yeah. them combined with. Like some fast moving, like again, like Primaris Impulsors carrying around like intercessors ready to dr- jump out and start fighting, and then having Wool, you know, Thunderwolf able to keep up with them and then being able to put on some real damage dealing ability. I, th- I think gives them some tools to make a very space wolf feeling Primaris army, but I, I know I, yes. I, I don't disagree with you in that some of the other space wolf units don't get that same kind of love. And at the same time, back with Curse of the Wolfen, when they added the Wolfen, it felt like, oh, wow, this is distinctly Space Wolf. Well, everything here, just this is distinctly Space Brain that we're polishing it, giving a little Space Wolf color. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But at least it does bring them into parody so that they're not, like, woefully behind the rest of Space Marines. That is true, since Space Marines are kind of the back on top. Yeah, you wouldn't know it by reading the fluff, but definitely, they definitely, this will, I think this brings Space Wolves into firmly middle of the pack amongst the other Space Marine armies. They're definitely, I mean, Assault Phase, having to wait for turn three to get the Assault Phase thing going is not necessarily a weakness, especially if you have ways to protect your, your assaulting units. So... I think they can definitely get some work done. And, and then Primaris, you know, just having the extra wound, that that alone will make a big difference in, in how much stuff you can get into close combat. And then, Richard, how do you feel about, about the orc goodness? Um, I, like, I, I am super happy with with Gazgol. That is just crazy, honestly. Yeah. Like, that, that he's that good. And then it, all the rest of it, it, it does kind of feel like it's that same kind of problem that like the Tyranid updates kind of had where it's like it's a, a few things for a whole bunch of different build styles. So like the kind of 
improvement and 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 power boost it is kind of diffuse and there's not necessarily a whole lot that you're going to get out of this based on like which style of kind of orc army you're usually run right but again it's like i don't think any of this stuff is necessarily bad or anything but like it's the the only real power boost is 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 gasgol and and marakai yeah but but that that's a that's a good one that's that's a good power boost that's a real good one (laughs) all right well i think that pretty much wraps up uh this uh the the discussion on this book uh Unfortunately, between the lack of Games Workshop being able to ship and the lack of people to being able to gather, it'll be a while before we really see how this is going to impact the field, how these armies are going to do uh, in, in in actual battle. But hopefully in a couple of months, we'll start seeing events pop back up and we can start seeing. And hopefully by then, people have had a chance to like get the rest of their orcs and space wolves ready to slot in these new models. And then we can see like, is Gazgol going to be as big an impact on the scene as we think he might be because of his abilities. And that takes us to the last segment of our show, which is the morale phase. And Kevin had a, an idea for us and I really liked it. So Kevin, why don't you take it away? So, um, yeah, so everyone is, or for the most part, everyone is home now. And you can only paint models so long. You want to be able to do other things. So my my attention immediately turned to Netflix and like what movies to watch. And as everybody knows from <laughs> uh, from from the you know previous conversations we've had, there are no good 40k movies. There is one official 40k movie, and it is unwatchable garbage. Um, <laughs> so it has a stellar voice me, cast. I will give it. It that. is a stellar voice cast, it, but it is garbage. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, they're and, walking through like the desert more yeah. it's yeah it's uh, what are they doing now they're still walking, still walking. through the desert oh uh, some of them died but now they're still walking now they're walking the other way <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's it's not a good movie and hopefully once you know gw has been releasing previews and stuff for their new upcoming features and and series and and stuff like that so hopefully that'll change in the future but we're all stuck indoors right now and we want to watch movies currently so i was on netflix and i was watching re-watching the 1997 movie event horizon and it got me thinking because if you don't remember the movie uh it is a 1997 paul ws anderson directed movie starring lawrence fishburne sam neill and a bunch of other 90s actors that i don't recognize now <laughs> um and basically sam, it is about hmm? sam, sam pertwee's in it oh yeah that's right yeah he is yeah he is in it um oh and uh jason isaacs is in i was gonna say jason so isaacs is in that yeah. so yeah yeah that's it's it's a good it's got a good cast uh it was yeah. a movie that completely bombed at the box office which is a well, shame it, oh it it really is yeah yeah like i as i like to describe it, it it's basically just in the mouth of madness in space yeah. Yeah, it really is because they're 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 going out, you know, to the edge of I think Neptune to recover this uh highly experimental basically warp vessel that can basically fold time space and travel through fa- travel faster than light. 
But in doing so, it enters basically the warp. Like it enters a realm of pure chaos. And I'm like, well, that can't be a coincidence. And I was started looking into it and I'd heard that like the 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 fan theory that, oh, this is a 40K you know, prequel and stuff like that. And this is how they acknowledge, you know, being able to travel through the warp and stuff. So I started digging into it. The screenwriter on Twitter, and I'll, I'll pull the quote up because it's just great. Uh, somebody was, was posting a fan theory about this and he replies like, yeah, I played the shit out of 40K. I, it was definitely an influence, subconscious or not. So even the screenwriter is like, yeah, no, 40K and the, the warp factored into this. So this is a movie that kind of falls into that whole, like it's for, it's a 40 K movie, but like not officially. So it got me thinking about other films that are kind of the same way. And, you know, and I wanted to come up with a, like a list of some of them and, and I'm not going to explain all of them because some of these are, are pretty obvious, but I wanted to kind of give the list of like what movies, where they're available. And then like why I thought they were kind of cool, you know, quote unquote 40 K movies. So, Obviously, Event Horizon. Uh, it is on Netflix right now. Um, this is a 1997 movie. It's great. The other ones that kind of came into my mind that were similar themed 40K movies, uh, Starship Troopers, which is Imperial Guard versus Bugs. So that's you're basically Imperial Guard going off to fight Tyranids. Uh, that is available on uh, Crackle or Voodoo for free to stream. Uh the other movie that I thought of was Aliens, which, you know, the 1986 uh, uh, Aliens movie, like everybody's seen it. But it's Imperial Guard versus, again, Aliens. It's, it's Kill uh, Team it's kind level. Of a, yeah, it's Kill Team. It's Kill Team level uh, or Space Hulk, basically. Yeah. Is kind of what I thought it was like. I got a very Space Hulk vibe off it when I when I was watching it this time. Uh, the other movie that I that. I would always recommend just because it's, it's just a great movie, but uh, 2012's dread with Carl urban is effectively Necromunda. The game, uh, the movie it is effectively a psychic and an arbite walk into the underhive and have to fight their way out. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> it is a phenomenal movie and it is a crime that, that they have not made a second one. Carl Urban wants to make one. He wants oh, to make a sequel so badly. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. I, I I can't say enough good things about that movie. Yeah, let let uh, us not speak of the 1990s Judge Dredd film. It this is. I'm not going to recommend that. That movie is garbage as well. Yeah. So the last movie that I thought of that that I and I actually rewatched it last night because I was I. I remembered this movie being much better than it was. This movie is garbage. I will I will throw that out there. Uh, it is that late, mid-2000s, early 2010s, like, heavily CGI monster movie where, like, everything looks bad. Uh, it's a 2011 film called Priest with Paul Bettany and Carl <laughs> Urban. Uh, and Carl Urban, as an aside, if he's in the movie, just watch it. It's going to be good. It's going to be entertaining. Entertaining. Um, I won't say good because he was okay. also in the first yeah. Doom film, if I remember right. I, that movie is also entertaining, though. Entertaining, but, but not good. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and Priest is very much the same way. Priest is not a good movie. Uh, Carl Urban's villainous character is called, and I swear to God, this is not a joke. He is called in the movie Black Cat yeah. because he wears a black cat. And you get it. He's the villain. Who knew? <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. So 
the movie, the plot of the movie is they're basically these priest warrior monks fighting vampires, but they're vampires only because they constantly refer to them as vampires. They look nothing like vampires. They don't act like vampires. They're basically monsters or demons. Like you could easily headcanon replace every time they say the word vampire with demon. And you basically now have, uh, Ordo's, uh, Ordo, um, uh, Ordo Malleus inquisitors out hunting demons. Like the, the city that this movie takes place in is literally called cathedral city. It is ostentatiously Gothic and church driven. And it's watching the movie with that headcanon that nope, this is in the 40 K universe. And this is just demons that they're fighting instead of vampires made the movie a lot more entertaining. <laughs> and, and this movie is available on Hulu right now for free. Uh, if you're subscribed to Hulu. So, I wanted to throw that out there. Those are some of the movies that kind of came to my mind of like Dean's movies are entertaining and kind of 40 K ish. Uh, if anybody else on the podcast has, you know, if any of you guys have other movies that pop to mind and if anybody in the comments, once this post wants to throw them out there, like we could get potentially like a watch list going of like movie recommended movies to watch while we're all quarantined. Yeah. I have one actually that I just off the top of my head, uh, thinking about it, uh, it's a 2009 sci-fi movie called Pandorum that is basically it. It's it's kind of similar to Event Horizon, where it's this uh, deep space like vessel that you have to like go into hibernation while it you know, is going off to another planet because they're going to be in space for so long. And then some of the people get woken up early and then some of the other like people on the ship are, are also woken up early and are like mutated into these like violent monsters. And it's really an interesting kind of, kind of a cool movie yeah no I, I remember that movie now that you mentioned it and i and I, I i just did a quick google search and i saw the uh the the poster and i'm like oh yeah i remember that movie it's also produced by paul ws anderson which i thought was kind of weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> he makes a lot of really good terrible films because yeah, he really yeah. he's the one yes. didn't he do all the resident evil films he did all the resident evil films he yeah. did his big breakthrough was uh the first mortal Kombat movie yes which is still one of the better video game movies ever made. Strangely, yes. Just yes, it is. Sad, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, and while not technically a, while a, more of a post-apocalyptic film than a, a sci-fi film, uh, anybody who wants to get into the mindset of orc speed freaks, Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, yes. that, that's just a given. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like the rest of the movie doesn't quite follow a 40k plot, but it, it just for watching the car, the car scenes and, mm -hmm. and and the way like the the war boys fight that that is very much that is very, very orky. So, yeah. So anyway, that was just a thought experiment I had of like what movies or, you know, what what things that you can stream right now that can get help you get that 40k fix without without actually having official 40 K movies yet. Cause we got to wait a few years on all that stuff. So yeah. if anybody has uh additions to this, like I said, we'll post the list hopefully in the footnotes. And uh, you know, if you want to comment and add 
add your movies to the list too. We'd get a watch list going and have people, you know, we can yeah. at least have a little bit of shared experience. Well, and now that Netflix has opened up, like there's a party app now that like people can watch the same oh, movie yeah, together yeah. and chat. So yeah, you could totally have a 40k movie watching party, even though you can't all be in the room together to do it. So yeah. So definitely look at look at doing that for the movies that are on Netflix. But I'm sure you could also just open up a Discord channel and like, okay, we're all going to start watching the movie on Hulu now. That kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Obviously, we won't be talking games played uh, or new releases, but uh, we will talk about. Uh, we'll figure out something to talk about. Fortunately, 40K is huge, and there's a lot of content to cover. So we'll we'll be back in a couple of weeks, keeping the fires going and the show rolling while uh, w- the world tries to get all this under control. So until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and once again, stay safe and healthy, everybody. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2 No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.